We're a band of vicious pirates are sailing out to sea. When you hear our gentle singing, you'll be sure to turn and flee. Oh, this is just ridiculous. Hey, everybody, it's the Boy Heidi Podcast. Hey, welcome. This is the podcast for Saturday. What is today's day? The 8th? I have no idea. John Lennon died 32 years ago today. Yesterday was Tom Waits' birthday. Aww. I have no idea how old he is. Did you think he got nominated for Grammy this year? No. He's got nominated for Wait, a whole what, bunch of Grammys. Wait, what album? It. Something, something. He came He comes out with an album every other year. Like, I'm glad he got, you know, who gives a shit? It's Tom Waits. I oh, want Tom you... Waits to be, have the great and success at all times. Hey, everybody, I'm Annie, and that's Bill. I'm Bill. That's Bill. That's Bill. That's Bill. It's not, this is just Bill, but that thing over the corner is Bill. <laughs> that thing from Weird Science. This is Annie, that's Bill. That uh, Pax, Bill Paxton gets turned into is, is called Bill. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, did you see that the the guy from Journey got nominated for a Grammy for uh, this is well this this could be part of the news later but yeah, yeah he got nominated uh, Journey got nominated for best soundtrack not just like best like I think what what the hell was the game was it Civilization Four or something yeah like it that? got like best song or something best song this is the first time that the complete score got it's nominated uh, nominated against like Hans Zimmer and John Williams just for best score of anything it's it's I, I didn't realize video games uh, could compete against uh movie scores in the Grammys, but I guess now they can yeah. so Yeah Journey is a great And score. Journey the Journey soundtrack is oh so good. So so good. No, it it's I think it's better than anything else that was nominated. I'm saying I'm a huge John Williams fan. I yeah. grew up with John Williams being my favorite musical thing. And even I'm like, yeah Journey's better than I think it was John Williams score for Tintin. Which who gives a fuck about Tintin? <laughs> And I think it's Hans Zimmer's stuff he did for, like, Batman or, her, or like, Journey's biggest. If Journey doesn't win, it's going to be fucking crying. Yeah. Whatever. Who gives a shit? <laughs> People like Bill. it better. Who gives what? It's already won popularity contests all around Yeah, the Journey. World. I mean, it does have an amazing score. It's well worth throwing down for if you've not invested in it. Yeah, it's five bucks on iTunes. Come on. That's the fact that it's just, ha- like, cheaper than anything else that's nominated, too. <laughs> just dollar for Jesus Christ. Pound, like, yeah. Yeah. Pound for pound. It's What's, you do. Are you okay? You seem like you're off your game today. What's wrong? Are you menstruating? Sure. I'm menstruating. <laughs> I feel like I menstruate brain cells when I'm in the same room with you. <laughs> Gotta do. Uh, friends, this is the Way Howdy Podcast. This is the part of the podcast where we jibber about our week. What did you do this week, Mess Mass two weeks till Christmas? It no, wait, three weeks. Christmas. No, wait. At, when's Christmas? Oh, is this <laughs> December 25th. <laughs> wait, what's... The same it is every year. Oh, it's two year. weeks from Monday. Yeah. I gotta get some uh, presents have you, wrapped. Have you, have you done Chris, your Christmas shopping? All my Christmas shopping. Well, technically, I, I'm still trying to... Did we talk about this last week? But I I, I have a nephew who he wants... He's a... Yes. He's, he's, he's a bit of a brat and a bully. And uh, when I was talking to my folks last week, he, he, he hijacked the phone just to tell me that I want Black Ops 2. Give me Black Ops 2. No one will buy me Black Ops 2. And, uh, yeah, I think I might just want him The Walking Dead instead just to drive him nuts. Well, I was joking I can get a Black Ops 2 on the Vita. Which, you know, because he owns a 360, but I, I can get him the game but on the wrong system. Why would you get him The Walking Dead? Why do you, even as a joke? Because it's the best game. Why would, no, that's why not would a he joke. appreciate this it? This is saying this is the best Xbox game. He's not going to appreciate it. That's the point. <laughs> he can learn. Why he can, get something he can good? He go into it. This is me by, I'm already buying him his suit he's going to wear to his high school graduation. <laughs> he doesn't appreciate it now, but it'll be useful in the future. There you go. <laughs> this, he does not need Black Ops 2. I haven't He's done, already enough of a little shit. I haven't done any of my Christmas shopping. It's going to be bad. I mean, no, that's not true. I bought things well, for my wife. You, you're just getting stuff for your folks and your wife though, right? Yeah, well, I can't. I'm kind of broke this year because I yeah, bought a house and everything. Yeah. So I think everybody's getting a Christmas card this year. No, what you do is you tell everyone. What's the thing that Dylan does? Friend of the podcast, Dylan McConus oh, does. I love Dylan. Well, she buys everyone this is a goat. Dumb. 
is dumb. No, I she, mean, every year she I donates to Heifer International. Heifer, yeah. But the thing is, it's not, it's because Dylan McConus hates buying presents. It is not through she doesn't any like goodwill yeah. or anything well, like that. She, like, she doesn't want to have to, she doesn't want to have a panic attack trying to think of presents for people. Well, I don't think D- Dylan's very good at living in other people's heads and trying to figure out what they really desperately want most. So but I think, yeah. It's Christmas. For people who don't know, Heifer, is it H-E-I-F-E-R? Heifer International is the service where you can buy, like, a village, like, a goat or a bunch of chickens or even a cow. Well, then you don't buy this stuff. You just donate uh, a certain amount to this company. And then then the company promises they will use that amount to buy a certain, like, a thing. Like, if you donate $30, that'll be enough to buy, like, some African village somewhere, like, like half a dozen chickens. If you donate $100, that might be a goat. If you donate $1,000, I could buy an African village a cow. And that gives, you know, then they can use them for milk and bullshit. And so that's what, it, so yeah, every year Dylan's just like, I bought you guys a cow or a chicken or She's like, yeah. Too funny. Which I think it's actually, I mean, it's actually, it's, at least it was, it's, I think it it's be... the most practical gift you could probably do, assuming Heifer International isn't some huge scam or anything like that. <laughs> I just love that it comes from a place of panic. <laughs> it's like, Dylan's like, I don't know, a cow, sure, I'm done. Whatever, yeah. Here's a hundred bucks, just leave me As alone. As someone who really Guys, loves... I got, I did, I did Christmas for you. I love, if I, if Let's money were no object. I don't think this Heifer International shit flies with their folks. <laughs> <laughs> she probably used to get real gifts for her folks, but yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I love... I don't want to say shit. It's, I, no, Dylan, because Dylan may be listening to this. I appreciate the chickens that you sent to Africa on, I on think our it's, behalf. Dylan, I think you're adorable. <laughs> Every time I see, I see this, I'm like, that goat is a panic attack deferred. That's all that is. Oh. Um, no, I, I love the act of giving and receiving presents. So the idea of not doing it this year is actually killing me I got inside. you a present. And notice when I said that I didn't fart. <laughs> I got you present. Blop. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I got you present. Not that I'm expecting anything back, but I did get you a little something that happened to arrive on the same day that your birthday present to me arrived this week in yes, the mail. Yes, this Wednesday was Bill's birthday. Yeah, I am 12. <laughs> yeah! You are going on 12, Bill. Um, yeah, no, it was my birthday this week. What I do this week? Uh, I, oh, man. I stayed home. I made a steak. I read Lord of the Rings while the sunset was all super beautiful. What else did I do? Masturbate? Did I cry? I can't remember. I had a good birthday regardless. Oh, that's fucking delicious. Oh, and I got a giant... Remember a couple weeks ago I was flipping out about the Lego set with the lights in it that yeah. has a light-up village? Yeah. Uh, Maxwell Motley, she she also has this set. My parents got that for me for my birthday. Yeah. I'm going to go get it now. Yeah. Are you kidding That's a giant me? box. Yeah. Oh, it's adorable. It is amazing. Look at this. Oh my god! Yeah, it's the whole, Here. it's a whole leg, it's the Lego Winter Cottage, Lego set. It's got like ten thousand, not ten thousand pieces. I think it's got like twelve hundred pieces. It's got a uh, fourteen. But it's got pieces. a light up fireplace. I am going to build the crap out of that. It's hilarious. Oh. So, yeah. so that is probably the coolest thing I got from my. I birthday. like that this Lego, the the figures in this Lego model represent three distinct types of facial hair. Yeah, no, there's it comes with like twelve little Lego people. Well, Annie, she got me. This is Bill's uh, uh, birthday podcast. I'm sorry, but Annie also got me. She got me um, Indiana Jones posters. Very cool. Like, not now there's this uh, web artist named Andy Helms, and I've been a big fan of his for a long, long time. Yeah, he does these great um, uh, pop culture posters, and uh, yeah, he did these beautiful, these three abstract, kind of abstract depictions of landscapes. Um, uh, really notable landscapes in these. Yeah, ones. the they're 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 kind of big vertical 
posters. And the first one is Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's Indiana Jones just in kind of looking in silhouette at the bottom of the well of the souls. The second one is Indiana Jones in silhouette, like, on top of the rope bridge that he cuts from mm-hmm. Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom. The third one is Indiana Jones in silhouette in front of the... Uh, the temple of the the crescent moon or whatever the hell where they get the grail mm-hmm. at the end of a uh, last crusade. It's a very cool poster set. Thank you so yeah. much. They're pretty, and I'm surprised he's able to do them because he also did a series of Star Wars prints and he had it slapped to the fucking cease and desist order from Lucasfilm. You don't fuck with what's weird that like how did he get slapped down for Star Wars but not for the Indiana Jones? Well, in the Star Wars things, I think he identified them as Star Wars posters. Oh, it's it it not called Star Wars. Exactly. I don't know if you noticed, but like the title of this on Etsy was like Adventure. Oh, or something. okay, yeah. And it was like That's a tribute to my favorite. What do they what do they have? Is Etsy shop bookmarks? It says, I mean, actually, on the posters themselves, though, it says Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple yeah. of Doom. Well, yeah, but I mean, unless LucasArts is explicitly looking at his Etsy shop. I don't know. Now that they're owned by Disney, man, you got to be extra careful of that. Because yeah. as, as litigious as LucasArts, uh, LucasArts may have ever been. I don't know if Disney, I've never, I can't think of an instance where Disney has been crazy litigious against fan work. I don't know. Because it's not like Warner Brothers where they slap down Harry, like Harry Potter, Potter stuff. Bullshit. That's a good point. Like, I just Disney just, I don't know. Maybe that's just a stereotype of Disney. I guess we'll find out. I will draw Disney stuff next year. <laughs> see what Bill can do. I will that's draw it. a big map of the Star Wars galaxy or There you go. Yeah, we'll see how that works way, out. Yeah. <laughs> I will just call it the Space Adventure poster. You know? uh, well, this, it's coincidentally Bill's birthday is also my anniversary. And so my Yeah, tell everyone that story. I plan, we plan to go out to this, uh, oh, fuck you, Bill. <laughs> I am still wait. mad at you about that. I'm still mad at you about that. Why would I'm I do? I'm actually mad at you about that. What did I do? So our anniversary is Bill's birthday, and our first anniversary, we had this conversation like, well, we're not going to do anything because it's Bill's birthday, and we want it to be Bill's birthday, and Bill should celebrate his day. We don't want it to be about us. So it would be about him. And Bill got, we sort of like, we won't do presents or anything. We'll do, we'll celebrate a different day. And Bill, so we got no presents. Bill got us a present for our first anniversary. He got us the nastiest, most... <laughs> Like, I could this smell is... the reek of petroleum plastic through the packaging. No! Like, the grossest double-ended <laughs> dong. Oh. It only I'm had a giant seam as big as my pinky I'm on it. I'm still mad at you about that. I'm not no! kidding. But what was it like for the, how you guys managed to hook up on my birthday? Wasn't it something you, you were still living across the street from where I live at right now? Didn't, like... Didn't you, like, come to my birthday party for ten seconds and then Foley came by and then you guys retired back to your place and you guys just, like, made out all night? And that's how you guys started dating? No, that's not how it happened. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my version's more erotic. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was... It was it, man, I'm so mad at you. Anyway, this... You, this It was our f- five-year anniversary this year. Annie, I hate to My wife you. and I were going to go out to this um, restaurant and have fancy dinners and everything like that, but we, we kind of got home. We were like, you know what? This is our first year in our house... And everything. And we were really excited about Spec Ops The Line. So we just stayed home, had pizza, made out, and played Spec Ops. You guys are sex hobbits. (laughs) Where if there's any situation where you could go outside and do stuff, well, as as a fellow hobbit, masturbation hobbit, (laughs) I I, I appreciate this. But if you guys have the option to go out and actually celebrate something or stay home and just bang each other so sweetfully, you guys will choose the option to stay. No, it was mostly that I'm so, I can't spend any money right now. It was like the idea of going out and spending $50 on dinner. Where are you guys thinking about going to? Um, Edgefield. We go, oh, um, that's a great place. It's not a, a restaurant. Couple of birthday, like a couple of birthdays we've been out there. And, well, they have restaurants there. You've not been to the fancy restaurant in Edgefield. No, but still. It, well, uh, people so don't know. So Edgefield and... is an old poor farm outside of Portland that it has been converted by local um, restaurant chain McMinimins into a hotel and um, distillery and vineyard and performance space. More to the point, on the acreage that is Edgefield, there are 12 places to get drunk. 
They have a Full pub. bars? Yeah. Oh, I see. They I have, only went to the one pub. Yeah. yeah. They're, to the pub. They also have a movie theater there. They have a pub. Yeah. They have um, a fine dining restaurant. It is the Anti-Alcoholics have, Anonymous. Uh, and then they have, yeah. they have a bar in the basement. And I think and they have like a cigar bar outside. Those are the only ones I've been to. I looked at a map though, and there were at least seven additional places. But to you get guys from. did not get reservations, at least. Well, you don't have to. You just schlep you just out show there. Up. It was a Wednesday. Well, night. for an anniversary, I don't know if you guys were doing anything like making special, like a head plans. Man, because we're trying not to spend any money right no, now. So you guys just stayed home and just. I don't know. We had pizza. It was great. And we finished back up. Yes. Oh man, this week I was. I've always heard as a kid, like, authors like to, like, they will rent a hotel at a retreat somewhere to, mm-hmm. like, write or finish a book. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, if I were to, like, if I were to, like, if I were to suddenly get a million dollars and cash was no object and I could spend, like, go to a retreat somewhere where I could finish off the history of a Nintendo book, where would I go to? I was like, oh, the Timberland Lodge. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. The Timberland this- Lodge is a place to go. When I went there, I was like, you go here to uh, write, draw, and fuck. That would be what I would want to do at yeah. Timberland Lodge. Uh, it's, it's, it's up on, was it Mount Hood? Yeah. It's the Timberland Lodge. This no. is where they filmed the exteriors yes. for The Shining at. Yeah. It's a big, it's a ski lodge, essentially. And but it's if a you've beautiful... seen The Shining, you've seen The Timberland Lodge. Well, it's the exterior. It's an inter- a beautiful place yeah, you because it was inside's a... Yeah, um... kind of uh, disappointing. No, it's it's not it's not the inside from The Shining. No, no, but, no. But um, they it's yeah, a, uh, that was all sets in The Shining on the inside. It was all um, uh, uh, during the Depression. It was built and as a, a WPA project. Yeah, right? yeah. and so all, it's all hand carved inside and shit. And there's all this beautiful Looks art. Like more than exposure. It's a hella bespoke hotel, yo. But unfortunately, it's never really been restored properly. That's what's depressing about it. Yeah. Like there's beautiful giant hammered hinges on everything, and like all these great handmade banisters. Everything's kind of rusty, and, or what? Well, it's just it's all just kind of shop worn. It's been in yeah, use okay. for like seventy years. But not in the way that's kind of part of its charm. It's more just depressing. Well, like it a, looks like it just hasn't been kept up well. The, well, it, it's been remodeled a couple of times in like in like oh, the 70s yeah, and the yeah. 80s and there's all these this infrastructure but they have no money to really restore it or anything yeah. like that sad so the only, the only reason i bring this up because i was looking at the different like if i had a million dollars packages and I if time and money was no option if i could oh. stay at, like park up here for like six months and just like spend all day just like away from the world on top of this mountain drawing stuff i was looking at their packages for that kind of stuff and i saw one of the things is you could have a f- half a dozen fresh baked cookies and a uh, and a glass of chilled milk brought to your hotel room once a day. <laughs> I was like, I would get so fat they would have to haul me out on a crane. So I would totally do that at the end of every day. I'd be like, I did my writing time for half a dozen fresh baked cookies to get delivered for hand delivered from the kitchen. I think there's also something where they like will make you a pie every yep. day. You have to spend, like, an extra 8 or $10 to do this. Or, like, is it, like, a the box of fudge? Or, like, and they'll just deliver junk food straight to your door. Like, here you go. Like, it's like you rent your, it's like rent-a-mommy. Like, mommy, <laughs> treat me well. Make me cookies and milk. I For $10 more, they tuck you in at night and read you a good night I know. It's almost kind of like that thing. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, so, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about that. So, anyway. So, thinking about, so how was the rest of your anniversary? Oh, it was good. I had a good time. You had pizza. But uh, we mostly played uh, Spec Ops The Line, which is a really interesting game. Is this going to be the Spec Ops spoiler part of the podcast? I kind of feel like we should wait and talk about it in more detail at the back end of the podcast, because I'll tell you all right now, li- dear listeners, if you play shooters at all and enjoy them to any degree, you need to play Spec Ops The Line. At yeah. this point, it is $10 or $20. You can pick it up. 
when I downloaded the demo, was not impressed by it because I was like, oh, it's just a military well, the shooter. Well, gameplay is a just third-person kind of Gears of War behind cover shooter. It's yeah. not bad, but it's just... If yeah, it's, it's very run-of-the-mill, but it's supposed to be run-of-the-mill. Yeah. It is a kind of a postmodern shooter, and I... I let's, well, story-wise. Let's, let's talk about it at the back end of the podcast because okay, we'll I want to go spoiler thing at the end of the podcast. But I'm dead so. serious, friends. Buy Spec Ops Line if you And, it, like, like it's really easy to find for, like, 10 or... 20 bucks yeah it's not unfortunately that it, it kind of bombs yeah yeah but story-wise it's got a really cool goddamn story yeah it's better than i thought it was because i like i was telling you how i was playing it for the last couple of weeks and i just i just thought it would just be a heart of darkness thing which it kind of is but then there's it's, some twists towards it and gets more yeah. interesting it gets more interesting more complicated than that there's nothing wrong with riffing on a theme established by another work no but when you have a main character named conrad like <laughs> It's I like, hate it when you do this. Like, boo, this vaguely resembles this other thing, therefore no, I shit on it. No, but it's obvious. It's not it's even being subtle so or clever at all. Well, no, well, is it better to allude to something and, like, try to veil it? You have a story based on Mary Poppins and you call the main character uh, <coughs> P.L. Travers. You're not being clever. You're just being, like, heavy-handed and stupid. If I have a story based on the Odyssey and my main character's name is Odysseo-so. Well, isn't isn't the isn't Conrad's name a portmanteau of both Conrad from Hard Dark or uh, uh, what's his butt and the protagonist from that? Walker? Wait, what? What what's in the No, Conrad. The his name is John Conrad. Isn't it, I read somewhere that it's like a, the way it's spelled. How what's the name of the protagonist in um uh, Apocalypse Now? Oh, that guy. Uh uh not James Brolin. Matthew not not ba- Matthew Broderick. <laughs> We need to officially stop talking about this. You know, whenever I listen to the podcast, I'm always amazed at just how ill-prepared we are for doing our podcast. While in Brando. We'll talk about things, and we won't know what we're talking Kurtz. about. We it's won't do Kurtz. any... Well, and Conrad is spelled with a K. But that's it's like a, it's Walter, a portmanteau. No, that's Walter Merch. Conrad no, is... Produce, Conrad I think is he's named C. after the producer of Star Wars. Who's Gary I'm saying, I'm, what I'm saying, Bill, is in Spec Ops The Line, it's a portmanteau of those two. <laughs> I'm making faces at Annie. I hate this podcast. Well, I'm just telling you where the genesis... Let, we'll talk about Spec Ops at the end. I'm already tired of well, this I'm just conversation. telling you what the genesis of the name of the bad guy from Apocalypse Now is. It has nothing... To, it's not literary. It's named after the producer of the guy. What I'm saying, Bill, George is in Luke. Spec Ops The Line, the character named Conrad is a combination of both Conrad and Kurtz. I know, I know, and I know. So I know. it's they're alluding to it in a slightly more clever way than the poop upon way. It's the name of the author wrote a Heart of Darkness, except with a K, because that's totally different and clever. Brr. Wow. <laughs> Everybody I'm listening serious. to the Last Boy Howdy podcast, we're going to hop on the court fat boy train and end this shit right now. <laughs> oh man, I missed that last night because I was watching the VGAs. <laughs> it was an excellent choice you made, Phil. <laughs> I was tired for my birthday. Also, I never got into the court and fat boy stuff. Not, I mean, I like their podcast, especially on Fridays when Mike Russell was on. For people who don't know, if you're not from Portland, uh, Court and Fatboy are uh, they're, they're, they're po- the seminal local pop culture podcast. Yeah, well, they originally started as uh, morning. De- were they morning DJs? I think they were in the afternoon. Afternoon DJs, uh, and when their was it the radio station fell apart a couple years, yeah. they took their act on the road and made a podcast. Essentially, they, 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 they well, were they doing always the exact released their radio. show as a podcast anyway. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay, uh, but after their radio show or uh, radio station got shut down, they started releasing the Court and Fatboy uh, show as a podcast. And after the last couple of years, they decided to end it just because... I think they were just kind of winding down. They were just oh. kind of losing energy. But, Calling it. But uh, they had a lot of frat boy uh, listeners and stuff like that. And I went, and one of the big uh, court and fat boy things they would do, they would have host awesome uh, midnight Saturday night movie screenings of, like, 
Conan the Barbarian, old 80s and 90s yeah. uh, geek movies. And I went to a couple of those. I went to go see Star Trek Two and Aliens, and there were so many frat boys and stuff yelling at the screen. I got driven away. That like Those two screenings forever alienated me from the Court and Fatboy fan base. I love the hosts. I love Court and Fatboy themselves. Their fan base. So I never went back to one of their movies. But anyway, these guys just uh, hosted their last live podcast slash movie showings last night, and they showed Star Wars. Oh, did they show Star Wars? They didn't tell anyone they were going to show Star Wars, but they showed Star Wars after the podcast Aww. was over. So, and everyone Bless flipped them. out. So, it sounds like it was a good time. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm really glad you stayed home and watched the VJs. Do you like hearing Samuel L. Jackson make jokes at the expense of, of uh, a thing you love dearly? Was why, that a very why, why does Samuel L. Jackson always play a black guy? <laughs> That's my joke. Uh, no, wait, he wasn't making jokes. He was making fun. He was making fun of Samuel L. Jackson because he spent the whole time just like, hey, I'm going to quote. All the lines I had in Jackie Brown over and over again. Hey, here's me. I'm going to deliver the snakes on a plane speech, except I'm going to be in the world of Star Wars video game, I guess. Oh, Star Wars Angry Birds. <laughs> that show. That show does not know what it's doing. It's kind of amazing. VGA's out of his fucking mind. I, I only turned on the VGA's long enough. I, I uh, got so, home from work. It started around. don't know the Spike VGA's or the Video Game Awards. Anyway, yes. So, so this yeah. is the closest we get to a mainstream award show yeah this is this is a video game oscars <laughs> to be fair wow. the oscars that's i know the oscars i was trying to much. think of something to compare it to that really conveyed the kind of homespun shittiness to the vgas is it like the golden globes like i don't know what's an what's an award show that is like really um considered a joke by the industry and yet is its most public face there's got to be some comparison the tonys <laughs> No, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's, but yeah, no, the VGAs are always It's a like joke. a high school play gone wrong. It's more notable for all the premieres and everything that they show during it. Well, it's known for, yeah, for the premieres and the terrible production values and the weird, like, <laughs> well, they'll what? have, like, the, 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 the best game powered by Mountain Dew of the year. Those are the kind of awards they're giving out. And also, ha- most of the awards they do not give out actually on air. They're just randomly tossed out on the red carpets just to make room for extra commercials and yeah. shitty musical acts. Well, I did. Show. I will say this. I turned on the VGAs long enough. Enough. Um, I, uh, between getting home and having friends come over last night, turn on the VJs long enough to see a full orchestration of the Assassin's Creed Three theme, yeah, which that, like a that live orchestra. That was great. The and then uh, I was hoping to catch the Last of Us trailer. I just barely did. But the intro to that was actually the guy playing the guitar bit that they've used in all the trailers. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that was which nice. was really. I was like, hey, VJs. That was nice production. And then uh, I turned it off, which sounds like probably the speaking best way to of go. Journey and the music for that. Uh, August Wintery is that the guy's name? Uh, he was being interviewed by one of the people from Spike before the show. And they're like, oh, hey, what do you think? Uh, do you think you're going to win your award? And he was like, oh, yeah, I hope so tonight. And the lady host is like, oh, because you did win your award. Here you go. And he's like, wait, what? Really? I'm getting it now? She's like, oh, yeah, we're really efficient here. We'll hand out awards for no reason. He's like, you can tell he was kind of like hyped up for maybe like he was yeah. hoping that maybe this might be something that's announced. And here yeah. it is some, some bimbo who didn't know anything about games kind of yeah. like, Here's your award here. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah, and he even makes a joke about how this is really efficient way of distributing awards. Kind of like, you know, it wasn't upset or anything like yeah. that. But it was kind of like this guy was a little kind of off-put a little yeah. bit by like he did not expect, oh, here's the award. Yeah. And he, he wasn't even in the theater yet. He had obviously just gotten yeah. out of his car <laughs> to walk to the theater to go in when he was, it was really fucking weird. <laughs> so, yeah, and most of the awards like, you look at the, the, the VGA award winners at the end of the evening, it seems like there's 20 awards when yeah. you only see four or five awards actually get presented during the yeah. show. 
So it's a strange, strange. We're post. already spending way too much time talking about oh, BJ's, video games. But... Really like the Last of Us trailer. The, the last for the five us, things that I turned in, you... five minutes I tuned in for. It was great. What do you think of the Phantom Pain? So yeah, I I only I did not watch the VGAs. Uh, instead, I watched Ravenous, and I think I made a good decision. But uh, the uh, I, before we uh, started recording, I asked Bill's like, "What should I look at?" He's like, "I don't know." So I, I remember hearing people tweet about Phantom Pain, so I pulled it up. Fucking well, the weird, weird thing is, is like it turns out it's actually a sequel to an- another game, famous video game franchise, Max Payne. Oh, uh, it's about how he dies and he comes back as a ghost. Sometimes I wish this was a video podcast just so you guys could see <laughs> the weird little glint that Bill gets in his eye when the joke is coming, when the well, joke is just barreling down the highway. And Max Payne, he comes back and he's so sad that he killed everybody and he's trying to help people sculpt clay with the Unchained Melody. Did you see Ghost? I'm making that joke. <laughs> So, Phantom Pain <laughs> looked interesting. It's a sequel to the Legend of Zelda game, The Phantom Hourglass. Hey, Bill, do you have any other more Phantom Max Pain Max Pain inhabits the, 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 uh-huh. the, the armored yeah. knights and mm-hmm. helps his yeah. son yeah. go kill people. Uh-huh. You done? And puzzled me. You gonna squeeze any more jokes anyway, on that? Go ahead. <laughs> what you were saying? No, Phantom Pain was interesting. It was a, uh, it, it show, uh, take a break and look at it now. It was like, oh, okay, it's a horror game. And as I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is developed in Japan, right? I thought, this, was I thought, really, I thought this was really somebody saying, okay, we're going to do a survival horror game that's not about zombies, but it's about body horror. It's about yeah. being helpless and locked in an institution you can't escape. No, it's a Metal Gear fucking Solid <laughs> game. So this trailer shows a uh, man who is involved in some sort of, is implied a car accident, but your vehicle is full of spent shells. What does that mean? And drugs. And, uh, yeah, and drugs. And uh, so he wakes up in a hospital um, with a head, with a bandage around his head, and a uh, fucking claw for a hand, because he's lost his arm. Yeah. And he's all, he can barely control his body, and he's like, he's trying to escape this hospital, and there are strange soldiers firing on you, and it seems to be there's like a, a Somebody's weird trying to wipe out all the people in this hospital. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. There's some kind of like... And like the but the last shot is like you you're the character laying on the floor looking at the soldier as the camera slowly pans up to the soldier. There's some sort of weird multi armed creature behind the soldier, and then it just goes the phantom pain. And Bill tells me that apparently the internet message boards came riding in and did a lot of research and determined that it's probably a the new Metal Gear Solid game. Which man, I would love. I would have loved it if it was just a game, an entire like survival horror game where it's yeah, it's not no supernatural stuff. Yeah. You're just for some reason you're locked in a hospital. You have barely any control over your body, and it's just you trying to escape. You're not trying to save the world or anything yeah. like that. And that's one little bone because you know it's going to be a Metal Gear Solid game. It's going to be a Hideo Kojima game. That guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing when it comes to storytelling and stuff. I think he's actively terrible. It's not one mm-hmm. of those things where it's kind of like a live and let live thing. Where well, if you like his games, I seriously think he doesn't know he doesn't know or give a fuck about character or story yeah. in his shit. Uh, a lot of people sop up his bullshit because they've never read a real fucking book in their whole fucking <laughs> it's life. Or a don't little know a different flavor, Bill. It's well, a flavor. The, the, well, there's the, well, there's the thing. There's the difference between like Western storytelling and, and Japanese storytelling, where there's just kind of different. Just, yeah. There's a different vibe. So this is one of those things where I don't think it's oh he's just Japanese. It's hard for us to understand. I just think he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. Where he's got like 90 minute long soliloquies <laughs> in his games. Just keep on like, and they're all like, anyway. The, uh, what Fuck was... that guy. So, but, like, this is a great idea for a game. I'm just a little... And it could still be make for a great... I love the idea that you've got this character who, like, the main character seems to be Solid Snake. He's got the mullet He's got the mullet. Even, like, I love his head the bandages. Head is like, kind of like an eye patch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. And I love the idea of taking this character who's a super military badass who, in any other game, could mow down all of the super weird soldiers that are attacking this hospital in a heartbeat. 
being, you know, he's got, he's missing a hand. He's all fucked up. He can barely even crawl. I love that. Like, taking this uh, character and turning it on its head is fantastic. But I, I just, I just worry that's just gonna be like the first couple stages of the game. Yeah. By the end of the game, you're gonna be back. To, like now, you're gonna have a robot gun arm to replace your old. It's weird arm that Hideo Kojima like seems to be obsessed with the whole idea of the degradation of the body. Yeah. Because like now, four deals with like he's old snake, and that impacts you from a gameplay perspective. Because he's, you know, he, you got, he's got bad back, and like he can't, you yeah. know. There's the whole thing where he gets microwaved at the end, and it's like. It is, he just seems fascinated by the idea of playing a superpowered character who, for whatever reason, his body has limits. Well, he also has, like, characters like, were the, the, the evil lady soldiers in Metal Gear Solid 4? They were all kind of, like, not body, weren't they all, they were, like, they enhanced, all, physically enhanced? They too? were all like, physically enhanced and all were suffering severe PTSD. Yeah. So, of course, we should learn this while taking erotic pictures of them. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I wonder how many pictures of, you're gonna find a little you. camera in the hospital, and with your one good hand, you're gonna have to be taking a picture of a nurse's skirts while some guy in the background shits his pants because he's so scared about something. You know, it's like what, my problem with Kojima uh, is fuck. he likes yeah, Kojima likes to have his cake, and then in addition to having cake, eat it. Cause, he like, also he's... likes to smear it on his body and smear it on <laughs> a girl's much. butt and take a yeah. photo of it. Yeah. Well, because he loves he'll he'll do a fart joke and like a shitting your pants joke, and then try to say something meaningful about Why war are you and death. Your pants off. You don't have to. This is I know we're in my basement. It's really funny to make jokes about music being up my hoodie and make it about me undressing. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think pretend it's like a radio show that's right if i ring a cowbell it's not because i'm trying to start like a new like rock song it's because there's a cow here that's... i think it should be because you're trying to start anyway, yeah go ahead yeah anyway yeah, no, yeah. He, yeah he'll just he his his tone just kind of goes all over the place yeah but He's, so there's weird. a way to take some like a subject and present it seriously and then gently puncture it at the same time and he does not know how to do that's it what, like this one kind of disappointed the phantom pain because it's hard to take that trailer seriously when that when that when the, that, that that game's going to take place in an, in a universe that is also inhabited by gay nanotech vampires. <laughs> well, the thing, or, the know, thing that's delightful like... about Metal Gear is it doesn't necessarily have to. What I love about Metal Gear and what is dumb about Metal Gear is that it's kind of like Adventure Time in that canon <laughs> only counts. <laughs> if, he, if he just came out and said, like, fuck it, it's like Adventure Time. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Canon only counts when it counts and <laughs> yeah, otherwise exactly, yeah. fuck canon, which is uh... kind of beautiful. Because, like, I think if you were a Metal Gear fan and you actually tried to figure out, like, it, the way it all fits together in one actual continuity, you're just gonna get like a nosebleed because yeah, i've heard minutes. metal gear fans try to explain in their head they know like they understand how yeah. it's supposed to fit together but explain yeah. to somebody they they will quickly realize how insane everything sounds <laughs> and uh yeah so whatever i mean the game still could be a good game who knows we'll see what happens oh, yeah. i mean well i well it's, i don't think it's been officially confirmed by konami or kojima that this is a Metal Gear Solid game. No. It's just all the clues point. They to it. they've talked about um, like that they're which is weird because it's obviously Snake in the there trailer. There are three Metal Gear games coming out because uh, there's, there's Revengeance or whatever it is with, with yeah. what's his butt. There's the game that they showed the trailer for that I think is a different game from this one because Kojima came out and said that was not Metal Gear Five. Where there's the whole thing where it's Snake sneaking into a military base. Oh, yeah, he I said that game that. was not Metal Gear Five, and then there's this. Yeah. There are three different Metal Gear games. Man, that guy's that poor is that son a of Konami bitch. franchise? Yeah, it's got to be because I that's think this the is only Konami's thing that keeps Konami franchise. alive right now. Yeah. They have Castlevania, and that's not doing. They actually had a Castlevania trailer at this thing yeah. too, where it's Dracula being old. That's another thing where it's Dracula being old, sad, skinny Dracula. Except now he's gonna go out into Tokyo and kill everybody. I, I like that Konami is powered by Draculas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Konami is in a sad, sad place. Well, that's why Kojima can't get away yeah. from. 
from Metal Gear. Metal Gear is because Konami, it only exists because of the success of the Metal Gear games. He's stuck the in only... the George Lucas Star Wars conundrum. Which is weird, because I don't think, does Konami even own his studio? Like, I don't see why they're so beholden to Konami. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so, did Metal Gear Solid 4, was that only for the PlayStation 3? Did yes. that ever come out for the Xbox? It was only Xbox? for the PS3. But the new Revengeance game, that's for everything, right? That's an, I think Revengeance everything... was originally announced as an Xbox exclusive because it was going to be a Kinect game. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Hmm. Do you not remember they showed the dumb video where I it's like shopping that. through uh, watermelons? Yeah. I did can you see hear... that actually being great as Kinect Well, no, game, did though. you hear that they, they, Ninja, they, but they just... dropped all of that? Like, because Hideo Kojima's company was developing and developing and they couldn't figure out what to do with it. Yeah, well, I know that. So they, they handed it off to tour. another people Well, there and was they a thing where this, this was going to be the first mainline, oh, it wasn't going to be a numbered uh, Metal Gear Solid game, but it was going to be the first big console Metal Gear game without Kojima behind the, uh, the, the, the the helm. Yeah. And so supposedly he handed it off to his, his the smaller guys at his studio. Supposedly they fucked it up so bad. <laughs> they had to, I don't know if he's still directing it, but I know he, I know was, he swept in and tried to fix it and then yeah. they just handed it to well, the studio. Well, they had interviews like, where he came out and said, yeah, I tried to pass this off to other people and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing so I had to come back and fix they it. They didn't understand that Kojima magic. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> God. Oh, video games. I'm going to talk about not a video game for just a second. I, uh delightfully the nice the nice thing about pre-ordering thing about amazon is sometimes things show up on your desktop and you're like oh so this week what showed up on my desktop was the um most recent uh six gun game or not game excuse me comic book uh collection graphic novel graphic novel oh it's an yeah. actual collection not so, just floppy yeah. yeah six gun they came out with volume four i the six gun i picked up the first three volumes really enjoyed it couldn't find the next floppy issue so i figured i'll just wait for the volume yeah. that's a fun little comic yeah. i've talked about it in the past where i think it is holistically my favorite comic because the, the art the inking the lettering even like the panel like the the word balloon placement placement and the choice of font it's digitally lettered but still looks great little things like the panels even though they're all very clean and orderly are still hand drawn so there's like a nice there's a nice hand done element to it even though it's a very clean looking comic oh. and the writing like, is so very I still want to get into it I, I, I still want to borrow some of those uh, uh, graphic novels off of either or uh, Dylan you it's, know? It, they're a good read I highly recommend it and the most recent volume was just a really a fun time what was interesting is that they're horror it's a horror western and it works really well. And I was thinking about it this week because the other horror comic that I read recently was Fatal by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the team that does Criminal. And I love Criminal. And Fatal is their attempt to do a Lovecraftian noir mm-hmm. sort of story. Um, and it does not really work very well. Whereas The Six Gun, it works very, very well. And I was thinking about this, and I think it, uh, an inherent part of that, I think the Western is more of a big tent genre, because mm-hmm. the Western kind of has two faces. There's kind of the, you know, open-hearted aspect of Westerns, the good versus evil, and, uh, you know, kind of the morality play aspect of Westerns. And then there's the, wi- like, what works better with horror is, like, the wild frontier and the unknown is around every corner yeah, yeah, and yeah. the isolated aspect of Westerns. What's interesting is that that allows, like, the supernatural to flow into Westerns very well. What I find intriguing is that that aspect of Westerns kind of, over time, m- m- morphed into noir. Like, there is a direct line between... Like, the Western, like, kind of ambiguously moral protagonist lost in this empty world. Like, to the, you know, close-hearted detective in in a film noir, like, fighting against the world. But the, in noir, is the world is very known. It's very much set upon, like, certain archetypes and certain tropes. And it's hard to inject the unknown into that. 
like in noir, like ultimate blackness, the ultimate darkness is ultimately the heart of man. And then to have a supernatural not, element. Well, yeah, you don't want to give Kojima where it's gave vampire or something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, not even that. It's like it's like. But no, but like the it's... ultimate evil in noir should always be a person. Yeah. And, and you well, can... it's grounded. It's it's it's. There's not a lot of room for fantasy in well, in, yeah. in grounded noir. Not even. It's not even that it's grounded. It's just that noir at its heart is about. Like, even, you can have morality details in noir, but there's always a person of ultimate evil in a noir yeah. game, in a noir story. And it's nothing is added to it to make that person supernatural, or supernaturally motivated. Whereas in a western context, having, like, d- dark creatures emerge from the night, and, like, people being manipulated by forces beyond themselves, that works in a western. I guess it's also westerns are, by their nature, they work a little better with, like, culture smashes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you have all these immigrants from outside the United States. Then you have the natives. Well, it's more of an empty vessel you can kind of throw stuff into. Yeah. It's a little bit like sci-fi in some ways better. where it can be, like, an empty shell where you can pack other things and other things from other genres into it. Yeah. Because there's so much room for kind of, like, you mess around with genre and character yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And the Six Gun does a really good job of having these supernatural elements and having a story. I don't want to say it's a very serious story. But the story is it takes itself reasonably seri- seriously, but there's still an amount of fun to it. How many magic guns have been found? Six. All six, I think. Okay. All six are there. There are these six guns that uh, if you put them in this this thing, then it will open up the apocalypse. So This is, this is in the American Southwest, too? Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. so. I can't remember. I think so. Does that have spe- is it specifically like Amer- like American cities and stuff like that? Well, I mean, they're in the West. Yeah. They don't go well, into my only experience with uh, fantasy Western stuff is Stephen King's Dark Tower stuff, which mm-hmm. that I mean that that that's a perfect example of fantasy mixed with fantasy and supernatural and horror stuff mixed with uh, Western stuff. Mm-hmm. But that like that moves between our world and fantasy Western world mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's not just about our world, but it's it goes it goes off in a crazy. It's it starts off as a Western, but then mutates into something else. Well, this sounds like it is just a Western. With just supernatural stuff layered on top of it, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no danger of suddenly like people are going to get sucked into, into a fantasy. It. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, I keep, it's a bit more grounded. Yeah. There's a part of me that keeps thinking about how um, the uh, and maybe I'm more receptive to it because I grew up watching Briscoe County Junior. Yeah, which was a great Nard dumb Nard. super. I've not ever watched it since it was on air. I don't think I no, because I don't think you could ever. Oh because, my cause god, because this is just this part of my life that. My whole family ate that show with a spoon. All six episodes. Exactly. Were there only... Oh, there was only one season. There was only more than that, but I think only six got aired, and, like, (laughs) if you want to see the other three, you have to buy the DVD or something, yeah. But, uh... No, it's a really solid little book, really enjoyable. And where I was going was that it's interesting in that there's a lot of fun to it, even though the book is not necessarily funny. And it just comes from, like... So it's not taking itself totally seriously, where it's well, like, I heard, like it's never a joke is never made of the scenarios, yeah. but they're not afraid to embrace just the okay, ridiculous that's, that's fantastic. Good. So it's not like okay, that's it's awesome. not like I this is what I and I don't know how to describe this without sounding like I'm disparaging it because it never makes a joke out of what is happening. It never like points at it and like you know, like makes itself aware. No, of but it's it. kind of like whistling past the graveyard kind of thing. It's, where it's well, kind of like, like it still has a little bit of levity, levity, even though it's not like directed. And I don't know I if, how much of it is responsible the about. art. Like for example, the this volume ends with the protagonist or with a character surrounded by snake men. And I mean, there's a it's a ridiculous thing. There are these men with snake heads and like the scales for skin, and they're in human clothes. And it's just such a ridiculous moment. But it's it's presented like there's a, these there's. Well, it's imp- almost like an EC Comics kind of ridiculousness. Yeah, where you're having fun with it, but it's still fucked up. It's not trying to be horror. It's not trying to be scary. So it, but it, 
it just introduces these supernatural elements just to tell the story that it's telling. Yeah. And it, I really, I really enjoy the hell out of it. I, a part of me wonders if a lot of the reason why it seem maybe I'm perceiving, perceiving it as not taking itself super seriously is because of the art style, because the art style is very appealing, very cartoony, very stylized, which I think makes all the supernatural elements work a lot better. If it's a stylized reality, then, you know, introducing unreality to it works instantly a lot better. Mm-hmm. But I, sometimes I wonder if it, if it were less cartoonishly rendered, if maybe I would think that it was taking itself more seriously. I'm not sure it's a, yeah. But uh, it's it's a great, great comic. Highly recommend it. Oh, Getting a Christmas present for yourself, pick up the first volume or two of... Yeah, Sucker. I've been tempted to buy the whole series for myself, but I, I, I don't want to make that leap. Because, you know, each volume is like 20 bucks without... Like, at least checking out a little bit of it first, like, borrowing it from you. Because I can see, like, how it could either really get into it or that it might drive me a little bit crazy. Especially with my... Like, I love the Dark Tower, and that's kind of my touchstone for mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I don't know how my affection for that series might poison another series that sounds a slightly like, a little the better. Well, great. even in the, the Dark Tower, great. a big aspect of the Dark Tower is the search for these magical crystals that do magic stuff that are scattered throughout the universe. Which mm-hmm. sounds a little bit like these guns that, like, in, the, in this series... And, yeah, I kind of wonder if he's kind of... It's not like that's not a trope that hasn't been explored in no, any No, but, like, there's all kinds of, like... Medium. There's, like, medieval uh, fucking... Uh, what's the Camelot shit called? Camelot shit. <laughs> Arthurian legend Like, there's Arthurian legend stuff woven into uh, the Dark Tower stuff, which I can mm-hmm. see kind of, like, also being a little bit thing. If, if there's these magic guns that need to be found, that sounds kind of a questy kind of thing. Well, there is... The guns have always existed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, So yeah. they, But they haven't always been guns. Like, there was a time when there were swords. Like, they should have flashback Arr, with the swords. Yeah, exactly. and, like, yeah well, that's the what I'm saying, The Templars are looking for that's, them. I wonder if this guy read the Dark Tower a little bit and went, like, this, this is shitty. I bet you I can do, do it better. Version. Yeah, which that sounds fantastic, yeah. Well, and also, it's, I, I like it because that. it has a protagonist um, with a dark past. <gasps> and I know. And, and he's an interesting character, but then he, he meets this woman during his travels, and the way they handle the woman character so far has been very interesting. Is she a magic gun that's turned into a woman? <laughs> that's what I would That's do. my six-gun fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. And only he can make her go How off. are the guns? What are the different properties of the different guns? One summons the uh, spirits of everyone who's ever been killed by the gun. Oh, that's kind of One cool. goes off like a cannon. How are they identified? Do they have different names or colors or something? Uh, I don't think they... I think the, there's only one person who can use them at any given time. Oh, okay. And if anyone else tries to touch them, they will. it will burn them unless they kill the shooter. And so then it's like they the can Elder take the guns. So the gun, it, well, it's kind of the gun is bonded to you. Yeah. So um, anyway, there's one that goes off like a cannon. There's one that causes pestilence. There's one that um, uh, summons the dead that have been killed by it. Um, there's one that allows you to see the future. And is there a pink uh, one for girls? Fire. Well, the lady in it. So this guy, this protagonist, has five of the guns, but there's a lady in it who the lady gets the one that allows you to see the future. But it's only one possible future. Can you only see the future when you p- shoot the gun? Or I can't can you remember. Just hold it? Like... I can't remember. I think you have to kind of speak to it. But the guns are ultimately evil, so yeah, they yeah. will corrupt. Well, that's, a, that's almost like these orbs in the Dark Tower stuff, yeah. yeah. No, it's almost like unimaginable power corrupt. Ah, I still, man, I st- I, I'm so bummed I couldn't get you to read that last Dark Tower book that came out oh, this Bill, year. Bill, I never the keyhole. read. It has such a nice I ending. hate Stephen King. I know you love him. I hate him as a writer. He's your Kojima. <laughs> I can understand. I that. don't, Bill. I don't masturbate to the thought of, of Stephen King books <laughs> or of Hideo Kojima. Anyway, Six Guns really good. Volume Four is really good. I like, as I mentioned, I also watched Ravenous again last yeah, night. Yeah, Ravenous is a great movie. I only I watched it for the first time three months ago, and then I just I had this year's been a Ravenous Mass Effect three loop for you. 
<laughs> Revenant is a great movie. Yeah. The first time the I movie... was the one yelling at you about it forever. No, it was not you, Bill. I it mentioned was... it because you, you feel mentioned like, it twice. Revenant and I remember hilarious. because um, our friend, friend of the podcast, Steve Wolfhard, has been telling me about this movie for the duration of our friendship, which is God, twelve years now. I think mm-hmm. I know Steve before I knew you. He he was always like, Annie, you gotta watch Ravenous. But that would always be it. That would be the context. But you gotta watch Ravenous. And whenever, like, one of, anyone who knew him, I think they must have all watched it in college. Like, Emily or Vera. And they'd always be like, oh, you gotta watch Ravenous. Ravenous, man. Ravenous is so good. So uh, after hearing about it for over a decade, just Ravenous, man, you gotta watch Ravenous. What it was took me so by surprise. That yeah. uh, I wanted to watch it again knowing what it was and seeing how I could appreciate it. Show That's it a great movie. Did show it to other people. Showed it to people. What did they before. They were like, that was a fucking weird movie. <laughs> Morally, she should. Everyone at home should go uh, watch *Ravenous* for *Ravenous*. Christmas. Man, *Ravenous* is a great weird film. Guy Pierce thinks he's in an actual movie. What's his name? Robert Carlyle, I think, is my favorite Who favorite villain. Carlyle? He plays the um, he plays Ives, or whatever his name actually is. Calhoun slash Ives. He plays uh, the uh, the other cannibal. *Ravenous* is a movie about cannibals Spoilers, set during the Jesus Spanish Christ. American War. Bill, the first thing, one of the first things you see in the whole film is a dude drinking blood. It's about, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a ridiculous movie. It's good times. Oh, you played the mustache guy in Trainspotting. Anyway. Robert Carlyle's amazing in that movie. What And else? it's a female director. Oh, is it? Yeah. Which is uncommon enough. Much less that a female director made Ravenous. This is what Carla told me, at least, in front of the podcast. Carla. So, Ravenous is awesome. Everybody go watch Ravenous. The other thing I did this week was, um, not be, I was incapable of using my hand for three days. Because I played Liberation for um, two hours in a row. And PSP, the the Vita, picks up a design flaw from the PSP where that to hold it, it is the least ergonomic, like, way to hold anything. You basically have to turn your hands into, like, weird little claws. And if you play... Little T-Rex hands. And if you play for more than, I'm not even kidding, 45 minutes without stopping and, like, taking a break and stretching, like, you will get... Like, I am inclined to hand pain. Arthritis gallops in my family. Never really bothered me before. <laughs> like, other than playing the Vita. It's ridiculous. I had to... I couldn't play it for two days. Because the, the hand... Like, the pose my hand had to make to play the game. I actually might... Like, my thumb... My left thumb throbbed for two and a half days Jesus straight. Christ. How far into the game did you get? I'm only... I'm about two hours in. It's That's interesting... terrible, though. If you're only two hours into the game and your hands are already rotting that badly... It's just the PSP. Like I said, I fuck around with the Vita a lot. It's like the way you yeah, hold still, that that's... the thing is ridiculous. It's like you, you will get claw hands. Liberation is a fun little game, though. Mm-hmm. It's not... I keep thinking about it, and I'm like, is this game actually good? Or am I just impressed that they haven't fucked up the story yet? Because, like, the game, as everyone knows, you're a female assassin, and that's inherently rad. You are, um, the, uh, your dad was this wealthy white guy. Your mother, it is not clear yet who she was or what she was, other than she is dead. And, um, she was African-American, so you are of mixed descent. And, um, your stepmother is this white lady. And I was like, oh, evil stepmother, here we go. No, your stepmother, your father doesn't know that you're an assassin, but your mother, it seems like she is. And she actually helps you a little bit. She's very supportive. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, hey, they have a a game with a strong maternal, like, uh, daughter relationship. Checkmark there. There's a part where you have to go meet this man who's presented as basically, like, it's assumed that you will marry him. 
And I'm like, oh, this game is going to, he's either going to be like, end up being the bad guy or it's going to be like this weird forced marriage aspect. Well, no, you get in the situation where you're talking to him in private and he's actually helping you in your assassination stuff. And like, he's another ally. And I'm like, that was unexpected. Way to not take the cheap easy route game. And he seems to be like this kind of nebbishy kind of weak guy. It was a nice little touch. So this is like the Princess and the Frog game. I will say the most satisfying thing I've ever done in a video game is have a fight. Did you not see Princess at the Frog? I did. It's about a black lady in Louisiana. <sighs> Instead the, of like a knife blade. Does she have Ezio's knife blade? She does. She has the double wrist thing. Yeah. She doesn't have an alligator talking friend. I killed an alligator last night. Actually, she made a Was crocodile. it talking to you? It was not talking to me. Okay. Almost fucked me up. The most satisfying thing I've ever done in a video game is be dressed in full ladies' gear with like a bustle, the big flowing dress and everything like that with my little hat, and then have combat. I highly recommend anyone <laughs> who plays Liberation set it to very easy. That's amazing. Because usually when you're 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 in that costume, your combat skills are much weakened yeah. because you're loaded down. But if you set it very easy, you can still kick their ass. The best thing is to have be surrounded by twelve dudes with muskets and just fucking kill them all while dressed in this full dress with a bustle. It's seriously one of the most satisfying like a wig things. wig on and everything, too? She's got the curly... I don't know if it's... Yeah, I guess it is a wig. She's yeah, got a curly wig yeah, and the hat yeah. and everything. It's perfect. Have you been a slave yet? Uh, yeah, I've been disguised as a slave. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like one of those things where I kind of wish that it had been reversed. That this was the console game and that um, Assassin's Creed 3 was the mobile game. I think most people would wish that, too. But uh, I wonder if it had been switched. Especially if, they would if go... the game worked correctly. <laughs> Fuck it's, Mass Effect. Uh, oh, what are we talking about, Mass Effect? <laughs> Fuck anything with a three in it this year, except for Far Cry Three. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, it's a good game. I'm enjoying it, I even though it gives me claw time. hand. Uh, so the Uncharted games turned you pretty good too. I've only played about 15 minutes of it. Have you played the strip? The, the oh no, the, oh, I forgot the, the poker game. That the Uncharted you, you were talking about should be a strip poker game. It's not a poker God game. Damn. It's like a. It's just a card game. It's like a card based combat game. I'm not. It did. Oh, I thought it was at least a card, like like a playing card game. No, it's like oh, magic, a magic like... sort of thing where like you have a deck. Why did they make an Uncharted game into a fucking Magic the Gathering? Because it's a quick and easy mobile game to make. Like, and it, and it theoretically it better utilizes the mobile. Aspects, paper dolls of the characters like and... i want to dress nathan drake as a pirate he look he look like a popeye i'm gonna dress him like elena <laughs> just for laughs <laughs> that'd be great it's not a game but it's a fun app there you go yeah i give Starly a bikini <laughs> i play the hell out of Bill, that tell me about imagine, far cry 3 imagine your kids growing up playing that game that's their first exposure in charge of this is selling a bikini pink bikini just like yes yeah kid bill tell me about far cry 3 far cry 3 is amazing yeah far cry 3 the story of far cry 3 is terrible have you heard anything about far cry 3 uh no uh far cry 3 you're this really rich kid with a whole bunch of rich kid friends who go vacationing in uh made up a stan uh, fake as South Pacific generic island, and uh, you're all kidnapped by slavers, and then you was- the, the, be- the game begins with you escaping, and then you have to go rescue all your friends. That's the rest of the plot of the game, or at least as far as I saw. Supposedly, there's some kind of big twist in the middle of the game. What a twist! Who- yeah, exactly. What a twist! But at least the first half that I've been playing so far, you're just rescuing your friends. I must be getting uh, kind of towards the twist in the middle because I've rescued I think four of my friends, or like three or four, three of four of my friends, or four or five. I'm getting towards... I've almost collected them all. Like Pokemon. <laughs> uh, it's really fucking hilarious. The advertisements for this game were like, it's Skyrim with guns. Which is Fallout 3. 
which that's kind of misleading. But it really is because it's this big, vast open world. Once you get past the first opening mission or two with a tutorial, they'll just let you go off and do whatever you want, which that's what I did. Because I like Skyrim. I played most of Skyrim. Like as soon as they, as soon as you escape the dungeon at the beginning of Skyrim, I just went off and just explored. Did I tell you about my friend who played all of Skyrim without unlocking the dragons? Like he what did that to the extreme. The well, so when the game starts to get oh, he dragons never got to, to that first town where you have to kill. You have to go out and you have to go out of the town and kill the dragon. So he never and got instead, the voice he just, stuff. Or... He basically walked out the door, and you could either go right to kill dragon or go left to do everything else. He just yeah. went left to kill everyone else. Which I love the fact that the games, <laughs> some games, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's so only, did he max out his character? You can't like, beat the game without doing what yeah. you're talking. Well, about. how do you define beating the game? Well, I would say if you want to say beat the game, max by closing the narrative or just. Or, if you play for 20 hours, really, which you can easily do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, yeah, he, he only, like, he has, like, 90, dra- like, like, uh, he has all the shouts unlocked, pretty much, but he has, or the ability to unlock them if he has Dragon Souls, but he has no Dragon Souls to do, so. That's fantastic. It's amazing. Well, that's the best thing, that, that's the amazing thing about Skyrim, is you can go off and play an entire other game's worth of content yeah. without ever doing the second mission in the game. Yeah. Yeah, you could just go off and level up. Uh, Skyrim 3 does a similar thing, because like I said, as soon as you uh, do the opening tutorial, you can just run off and do whatever the hell you want and it does a similar thing where you get experience points it's not a role-playing game it's a shooter but you get experience points for kills and for completing missions and stuff and there's a whole uh skill tree that you unlock new powers and abilities uh which is a little bit kind of like skyrim meets um what's the assassin game that came out this year dishonored Dishonored, like um because a lot of the skills are like stealth based and stuff um but the, they, they, they do an interesting thing where they incentivize you actually completing story missions because uh, new nodes on your skill tree only unlock if you do story after you do specific uh, story modes. And they let you see what all the uh, possible skills you can unlock are. So you'll be like, you'll have an incentive like, oh man, I want to be able to jump down from above and stealth kill two guys with one move, mm-hmm. but I've got to like play so many missions in order to unlock that. So I've actually been playing a lot of mission stuff in this game just to unlock new mission stuff. So it's a nice way to, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a nice way to rope you in a little bit so you're not just like running off like shooting bears and hunting tigers. Sure. Or get, being attacked by dingoes or whatever the hell else happens in yeah. the game. Because like I said, well, the, big, the game is big enough like it, it borrows the uh, Red Dead thing of you can hunt uh, uh, creatures and skin them and trade them in for money. And, uh, but it also has an interesting crafting thing, which is kind of like Skyrim, where you could pick plants to make medicine and stuff, and you can use skins to, uh, this is actually how you unlock the ability to carry extra weapons and ammo, is you use anim- animal skins to, uh, craft, like, like holsters and stuff yeah. like that. That's kind of nice. And, uh, there's only, like, different animals only live on certain parts of the island, so if you want, like, oh, I want to be able to carry more grenades, and you just realize on your map that like oh but the, the i need like a dingo skins so i'm gonna have to go all the way across the map to this other part to get kill some dingoes to get the skins so it's a nice incentive to travel from one point to like another to explore yeah. to explore and the other thing too is in order to unlock stuff on your map it borrows from assassin's creed and that you have to climb these radio towers mm-hmm. and you climb up to the top and when you do, you essentially synchronize. That's what yeah. happens. And you're, uh, what you're, I, what you're really doing is on jamming the shit at the top of the radar uh, tower that is uh, like jamming your little, like, like little like electronic map you have on mm-hmm. yourself. But as soon as you do that, like it suddenly tells you where all like different animals are and stuff around you and where mm-hmm. different like, enemy encampments are and stuff. But yeah, no, it's it's packed with just you could just wander off and explore and just hunt and kill and hang glide to your heart's content. You could blow up sharks. 
Man, it is fucking one of the first things I did was after I completed the tutorial, I stole eight truck. It was a trucker jeep, and I was driving down the road and I got stopped by two got two big cars full of dudes. And I was like, oh shit, it's just me. Like I've only got one health bar. I haven't like evolved my guy that much. Like I've it, because I just walked out of the tutorial. I only had like a little pistol with like six yeah. bullets in it. And I was like, and there's six guys at this roadblock. And it wasn't set up like a roadblock where they were trying to keep me from going farther into the game. It was just, this is something that naturally happens as a part of the game. Because this whole island that you're on is uh, infested with slaver pirate dudes that you have to fight. And so I was like, oh shit, I'm going to get my ass kicked. So as soon as I jump out of the car to start fighting these guys, these guys got torn apart by two giant Komodo dragons that oh, just seriously? came out of the woods from nowhere and tore apart all six guys. And, they, and the Komodo dragons started coming after me. So I just hopped in the car and got the hell out of there. And there's all kinds of shit. I got, there was one thing a little bit later after I got more evolved, I got more weapons and shit like that, where like I had to go hunt like these giant turkey things for like extra holsters. I forgot what I was trying to craft. I think maybe a turkey skin wallet. <laughs> Which, that sounds delicious. But, so I was going hunting for turkeys, and I jump out, and I start, like, hunting turkeys, and I kill one turkey, but I need two turkeys, so I'm going yeah. to get another turkey. And because I'm hunting by the side of the road, uh, a big truckload of bad guys show up. They go, hey, look at this asshole, he's our enemy. We're going to attack him. And they get out, and they start shooting me, and I start this whole bitch uh, gun battle with the guys. And suddenly this whole bunch of turkeys show up and start attacking the bad guys. They what? <laughs> turkeys! And... <laughs> The guy's get this huge gunfight with the turkeys where the turkeys don't have guns, but they're like, blah, 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 blah. And the guys, they just turn their guns away from me to fight the turkeys. And wow. they all wipe each other out where there's only one bad guy left. All the other guys have been picked to death, been picked to death by the turkeys, or the turkeys have been shot by the guys. Wow. And so I, but then you can loot their bodies, and I got all the court, I got all the skins I needed because yeah. all, the, all the turkey bodies are there. And it's just, there's this crazy shit like that happening all throughout the game. A lot of it is just random animal attacks. That's yeah. half the point of Far Cry 3 is, you know, just like, just wandering through the woods. And you might just get, like, I get, like, one time I was walking through the woods and I just got sideswiped by a bear I never even saw. Yeah. Like, I was like, da, 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 and suddenly, like, you are dead. Bum, bum, bum. I fell down a uh, blood red screen. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? I see a bear's butt just walk by. And the bear's like, just, I was like, wow, this game's crazy. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I was not going to pick up this game because, especially with the Black Friday sales, I've got all the games in the world. Yeah. I've got the Wii U I'm not even touching. Uh, oh, so good. Tasty. What did you do? Did you touch my microphone? <sighs> You distracted me. Keep Andy talking. And he's messing with my equipment with, here. With Far Cry, you have... And he gets so bored listening to me. It's great, because I... You're, you're, it's all your energy to keep from just, like, start browsing the internet. I am interested in what you're saying about Far Cry. Keep talking. So with all your Black Friday games and your Wii U. No, but uh, all the reviewers were talking about this game, how amazing it was. And I liked Far Cry 2. Far Cry 2 was a different game where you're running around the, like, African plains and you're a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. And that game was kind of interesting, because they, they did a lot of stuff in there to kind of, like, fuck up the game that made it different from other shooters. Like, you had malaria in the second game, hmm. and you always had to keep on taking anti-malarial injections, otherwise you'd start getting sick and falling down. No. Which, that's annoying, but it's kind of a realistic thing. Yeah. In that game, they had guns that wore down the more you used them, and half the guns you would pick up from enemies were all kind of worn down and barely worked, and guns would jam all the time, mm -hmm. which was realistic, but it was frustrating. It's it's a bummer they took all that stuff out of this game, where in this game, there's like the guns are always pristine and always work. Yeah. You don't have malaria or anything like that. It's more like a normal shooter, so it's not quite as ambitiously hostile towards the players yeah. as Far Cry 2 was, but it's still a fun game. The graphics are wretched. 
I mean, the graphics are good for what they are. The frame rate of the game is terrible. I'm not a big graphics whore, and I usually don't worry about frame rate and stuff. But this is a game you can obviously tell which is designed for high-end PCs in mind yeah. or next-gen consoles. I can guarantee you, man. I this is uh, this Far Cry Three is almost guaranteed to. I'm sure they'll have next-gen version. Uh, they'll have this game available as a launch title for the, the the next Xbox when it comes out next year. I'm betting that this game will be like the gun of next Xbox. The gun came, gun came out of the like, like literally within the last couple of months of the PS2's lifestyle or of, like the Xbox's lifespan. Yeah, but I don't they, know if they were going to come out release, release a game that was a year later. No, no, the, I think the gun came out about a year before the Xbox 360 game out, and then they came out the three, three Xbox 360 version, which is slightly better. And they're crazy if they don't try to like th- this is an easy launch game. All they have to do is port it to a slightly more powerful system, just to sh- just as a showcase for whatever the next consoles will be able to do. Yeah. Like, they're crazy. Ubisoft, and Ubisoft is always about support. Ubisoft is nuts because they love supporting the hell out of console mm-hmm. uh, launches like crazy. They didn't happen to release Gun, did they? They Let's see. Gun was never soft in Activision. Okay, fuck that shit. But yeah, with uh, with Ubisoft being, having such a boner for trying to put as much software out for each console uh at launch time i can't imagine they wouldn't just take far cry 3 and just just put out a slightly uprised port yeah. and the game could really benefit from it it's not like you'd have to go back and like really fix that much just just almost the same code just running more powerful hardware yeah. would do wonders for that game I and mean, it looks fine on the 360 but you could just you could just it, the 360 is just chugging to to to, to 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 make a game like that work so but yeah. no it's a good game i have a good time with it yeah i'm glad you're enjoying your uh island uh, animal and slaver simulator. But man, as soon as you start rescuing your friends, because like you said, you're a bunch of rich kids. You're gonna yeah. Take rich rich yeah. kids. Like I found my girlfriend. She's all like, the first thing she starts complaining about after you rescue her, she's like, "Oh, I'm missing my audition right now." Cause she's trying to be a Hollywood actress, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, come the fuck on!" <laughs> the moment you're kind of feeling bad for these people, Roma sold into sexual slavery or whatever. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, I could be at home right now in the traffic of Malibu, but Malibu's got bad traffic at this time of year. It's like, I just want to fucking find my thumbs in your eyeballs. I I thought I heard someone say that you can shoot them. Your friends? Yeah. I gotta try that. (laughs) Oh, really? I heard someone say you can shoot them. them. Yeah. Because there's a lot of NPCs in games you can shoot them. They're just not going to die or anything like that. I don't know. I heard that you can shoot them. Let's put it this way. These motherfuckers deserve to die. (laughs) If, If the game did not require me to save these people, I'd be like... I can get Bill, more maybe it's like Spec Ops Maybe they're trying to say something about privileged white youth. I wish there was a mode where you could, like, at the beginning of the game, you could be like, it's a real bummer that you, you kidnapped and stole my friends. If you give me, like, five bucks a head, I could lure <laughs> more of my assets <laughs> down here. I'd call them, like, hey, Sydney! Hey, Lou! Man, this shit's off the hook down here! No, you can't talk to anyone else down here. I like that your tired. rich white people names are Cindy and Lou. <laughs> uh, because uh, I love Cindy Lou Who. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. Oh, man. There needs to be a Far Cry that takes place in Whoville. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna just blow it. It's before the Grinch turns, and he's just blowing up all the Who's yeah. Christmas shit. You have to climb all the curly Q mountaintops. <laughs> so you all can the Christmas see. trees. Yeah. And then instead of, like, syn- synchronizing your shit on top of the Christmas tree, oh. and then you jump off, you zip line down. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
All right, friends, that was what we did this week. What else? No, wasn't there? Oh, that's right, because we're not going to talk about spec I hate offs. it when you do, when I'm trying to end this se- segment, and you just decide, no, no, we're not going to clippily end this segment. I'm going to stop and say, what else? Guys, if this episode... Derail it for one or two minutes of note. really good radio, where we're just talking about, wait, what else do we need to talk if about? If this week's episode is not titled Willie Pete, it's because Annie's a bad person oh, who browbeat me like, into don't, what... Don't call this episode Willie Pete. Why? Don't don't call it guys. If you guys want a hilarious afternoon, go Google image search Willie Pete. Do not. Oh God. It's hilarious. It's talking about Willie Pete's the villain from the first sound of Mickey Mouse cartoon, (laughs) wasn't it? Isn't he's One Eyed Pete? Oh, isn't he? Really? Yeah. And Steamboat Willie versus One Eyed Pete. What is that? Is that a military? Peg Leg Pete. Peg Leg Pete. That's his name. Oh, did you see all the Netflix movies? Are the Disney movies that are on Netflix right now? No. I really did just completely kibosh your, your <laughs> outro there. It was too funny. No, I try but... to keep things moving. I try to be like a grown-up Well, podcast. this is our public service announcement before we cut the break. <laughs> no, uh, earlier this week, Disney announced that they had struck up a, a super exclusive licensing agreement with uh, Netflix, where Netflix is going to be the only online service that streams Disney movies for the next oh, couple wow. of years. And, like, literally, like, the day after they announced that, suddenly uh, Netflix has, like, the Aristocrats. Not, like, all of the Disney movies, but it has, like, Cinderella. <laughs> you just said the Aristocrats. The Aristocrats, that's all you need. Wait, is that? Aristocats. <laughs> the Aristocrats is different. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it has that. I think it has, like, Peach. There's a lot of B movies on there where it's, like, I think it's, like, maybe Pete's Dragon and shit yeah. like that. Where it's not terrible, but when you're thinking of, like, top-tier Disney content, yeah. you're not thinking of Pete's Dragon. Come on, Bill. The first thing you think of is Black Cauldron. Oh, Black It could be on there. Well, then, again, like, I, we stopped doing our Disney movie marathon stuff, which I'm still so sad because of time restraints. Uh, but, yeah! I want to watch some more Disney movies! We left off, what was it, Pinocchio or Snow I think it's because the next Disney Dumbo. movie is really unwatchable. Yeah, maybe it was oh, yeah, I think Dumbo's on Netflix. Actually, that's one of the ones that came up there. It's the, it's the yeah, Dumbo. We couldn't get that over that Dumbo. <laughs> Snow White was so bad, it kind of killed my enthusiasm for the project from the start. Yeah, we should have started off with, like, Peter Pan or Robin Hood. We should have have started off a good one and then checkerboarded around the Disney canon without, instead of just starting at the beginning. in sequence. I know, and look what happened. (laughs) We couldn't, just the thought of Dumbo and the racist crows. Can I do it now, Bill? Yes. Hey, friends, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back for the Geek Week in review. Though my sails be torn (laughs) and tattered (laughs) And my mast be turned about Let the night wind chill me to my very soul And though the spray might sting my eyes And the stars no light provide Give me just another morning light to hold For I will not lie me down This rain a-raging I will not lie me down in such a storm. And if this night be unblessed, I shall not take my rest until I reach another shore. Hit us up, Buttercup. All right, this week in Geekery, uh, the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer came out. What'd you think, Bill? What'd you think? You tell me who you think Benedict Cumberbatch is playing. (laughs) I care deeply about it. Did I love that it was a Star Trek trailer that does not take place in space. Nothing! There wasn't even a single star in the VC. I like that if you didn't, if it didn't have the word Star Trek on it, and if you hadn't seen the first film, if you just, if you just show that to someone who was familiar with Star Trek, but had missed the first Star Trek cream well, remake, the Enterprise, you, you would never really, know that it was a Star really Trek the Enterprise. You see the kind of silhouette crashing into the water and kind of like it's in the cells rising back up again, but yeah. 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 
I, I still, I can't, my wife tried to show it to me and she liked it. She's like, you gotta watch the Star Trek in the Darkness trailer. We looked at it. Star Trek in the Darkness. I and see, that was the thing. It was exactly what happened. The, ta- the title came up and I was like, I can't believe they fucking called it They just called it, called it in the Darkness. Darkness. That'd be a little terrible. Never, but... ever, ever make a Star Trek movie title where Trek is used as a verb. That is my objection to it. I don't want a Star Trek movie title as a complete sentence Star, almost. Like, they're never gonna see a Star Wars movie called Star Wars or Bad. Oh yeah, or, or like I was yeah. trying to think of a of a comparison. I could come up with one either. It's like just don't let don't Jurassic make Star Park Trek a verb. <laughs> no, no, it'd be like Jurassic Park. Um, uh, park. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a park Jurassic project. Park left. Yeah, <laughs> something. You know, no like... Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. No, you don't do that. <laughs> Lord, the uh... born identity was born because it's born. Because it's the beginning, born, but not like Jason born. Reborn born, born. identity. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. Ay, That's ay. not clever. It's just what the hell. Star Trek in the darkness. What the? Did I even make any notes about it? Uh, Brennan pointed out the cover batch. Benedict went cover batch. Yeah, uh, friend of the ring. podcast, Brennan is Anne. I want to. She she was she had a really sharp eye for this. Anyway, go ahead. She well she's a, she's a smart cookie and she always notices costuming cues. Brennan pointed out that Cumberbatch is wearing a coat with trim that looks a little like the torn-up get-up Khan wore in the second movie, while the unnamed blonde lady in the trailer looks almost exactly like Sally Kellerman's character in the first regular Star Trek episode. Yeah, uh, the first uh, normal episode of Star Trek, not the pilot, which had a completely like different cast and crew except for uh, Spock. Uh, the first normal episode where it's like, you know, it's Kirk and McCoy and all those guys. Uh, did I have to mention, to, 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 what, like, this is one of the big theories as to what the yeah. movie's about? Is Yeah, it's about, uh, in, in that episode, it's about uh, Kirk has his old friend who gets magical godlike superpowers from an alien being. And uh, the main chicky in that episode, who also ends up getting uh, uh, superpowers, she looks exactly like the blonde chick who's kind of like, like like a blue science officer outfit on. Like, her haircut and everything, she's made up to look exactly like that character from the original show. Yeah. But then again... If uh, Cumberbatch is playing Khan, there's a blonde nurse, uh, blonde scientist lady who shows up in Star Trek Two named Carol Marcus, who this could be the younger version of, who she could be that character too. She could maybe it's Carol Marcus who looks like this. It's Star Trek. <laughs> I love that this looks so Mass Effecty. You think so? That was my first that. thought. Well, it's like... a lot of people in kind of like gritty scarves, like pointing guns at each other. <laughs> it was good times. Yeah. So I mean, well, the weird thing too is like. This can't be better than Cumberbatch playing Gary Mitchell, who's the superpower guy, because if he's, like, he had godlike superpowers, he doesn't have to be punching people. He can just disintegrate with people just by thinking about them. He doesn't have to be, unless it's, like, this is him learning to get his powers, and he's jumping 30 feet in the air, and he, like, hits someone with a giant cannon. You can't, you can't discard, like, di- like just totally um, scrap a theory just because you saw a 30-second trailer. It's con. It's totally going to be con. Anyway. Oh, Star Trek. Yeah, because that's why he's all angry. He's like, I'm back now. Bruh, bruh, bruh. He's going to be a superpower genetically engineered dude. That explains why he can still jump 20 feet in the air. My and, favorite and beat up clean. My favorite Benedict like... Cumberbatch related tweet was someone who pointed out that Benedict Cumberbatch is the only person who has a, played Sherlock Holmes that has a dumber name than Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Man, I was reading last night. They were talking about, Peter Jackson was talking about filming The Hobbit. Um, they took five months. Was it five months? Maybe it was only two months. Off of filming the Hobbit movie, the first yeah. one, because uh, Martin Freeman, he had to film uh, Sherlock season two. Yeah, and they said there was no way they could schedule around that, mm-hmm. and so they said, you know what, we're just gonna shut down the sets for two months. We'll come back later. Let let him do Sherlock. That's guy. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, and Martin Freeman, man, can you can who knew that that uh, Tim, Tim from, from the, the office. office would have enough weight in Hollywood to make the next Lord of the Rings movie shut down production for two yeah, months while he makes the TV he's show. He's too busy playing gay Sherlock, buddy. 
I'm saying the word gay too many Watson. in this episode. Watson. His name is Watson. I still haven't seen the second season. I saw it. It was cute. Yeah. I hear, like, it ends with him throwing... Isn't it a cue back to the Reichenbach Falls where he throws himself... Instead of throwing himself off a waterfall, he yeah. throws himself off a rooftop? Yeah. Did we talk about... Wait, no. I think... He goes off a waterfall. It's in? a rooftop, off a rooftop into a waterfall. Is it called a waterfall? Oh. As I recall. I Clearly, Sherlock means so much to me. Spoilers, like, for, <laughs> spoilers for Schlock. As we call it, Schlock. <laughs> According to the digital bits, digital film projection has now officially surpassed analog film yeah, projection. Yeah, By the end of 2012, it's estimated that only 37% of films will be projected by a film, and that number will probably dwindle to less than 20% by 2015. Bill, you can't say fuck this noise when almost every time you talk about going to the movies, you're going to see a movie theater with digital projection. You are part of the problem. That's beautiful. <laughs> but still, I didn't, realize, I didn't realize digital projection was was dis- like falling apart that quickly, though. That's crazy. That at the end of this year, it's only going to be 30, 37% of films or th- theater showing uh, film on through a projector. That's crazy. Through yeah. an analog projector. That's nuts. Yeah. I thought at least maybe next year might be the kind of tipping point where maybe it starts getting towards 50-50. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that's fucking crazy. Well, I, w- I was surprised because I was like, well, obviously big cities are going to switch to projection, but I was like, small podunk Yeah, towns? and this really suggests that a lot of the smaller podunk You don't get to this number without a lot of small- smaller podunk towns, at least some of those screens and some of those theaters yeah. switching over. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. I hope there's at least a thriving... Once digital takes over completely, I hope there's still a thriving analog. I hope there's still companies still making analog projectors for, like, indie art house movie theaters and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I hope it's not just, like, everyone just scavenging for old theaters and, and, and equipment and stuff that aren't manufactured at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, didn't Polaroid come back and start actually making analog t- Polaroid cameras again? Just because the nostalgia for it was so great. It's, it's different, though. It's yeah. not It's not the same. It's like a different type of film. That's what they need to do with... What, what's the Dennis character on 30 Rock and his Blackberry? <laughs> with his pagers? Business? He starts having, his like, pager nostalgia. Black, remember, <laughs> nostalgia dude, pagers? Remember when life was simpler before 9-11? <laughs> Buy a Blackberry! Why do you keep calling it Blackberry? He's a pager business. I thought it was Blackberries. Was it pagers. pagers. Oh, that's funny. Because Blackberries are... That's something that people still use. It's not the kind of game. Really? Pagers really are... Actually, a lot of people in corporate world still use Blackberry. Man, I was watching Goldfinger because I still had that Bond 50 Blu-ray set, and mm-hmm. I love that one of the best things, like, in the Goldfinger car, one of the one of the most high-tech accoutrements, is he has a giant shoe-sized phone built into the driver's side door. <laughs> Before we move on from the uh, analog projection, um, speaking of analog projection, I think they're doing a 35mm print. Uh, the Hollywood Theater here in Portland, whose Kickstarter is winding down and everyone should kick in, uh, Ooh, actually, yeah. If for no other reason, then you can make a donation equal to the price of movie tickets and then just get free movie tickets. So you may as well, and it's for a good cause. But anyway, they're doing a screening of uh, White Christmas this week. My favorite oh, really? Christmas movie of all it? time. Totally, yeah. I've got some friends that are going to go with me. I love okay, White Christmas. Okay, so the Hollywood Theater, their Kickstarter for a new marquee is at $48,000 with... They still have $7,000 to go, but they still have 10 days to go. So yeah. they'll probably make it. They'll probably make it. Um, but uh, I, you, I love those kids. Have you seen the show? The uh, What's the JS... Oh, fuck? Sports Friends? The Sports Friends Kickstarter with this Johan Sebastian Joust. Yeah. How it looked like that was going to fail, but now it's... I think it's going to end in the next, like, day or two. I think, yeah, it's like... A, and they need, they're asking for $150,000, and just yesterday, yeah, they had, like, $50,000, but it they was, rallied... It was, like, $90,000. Oh, it was, it was a ninety at least? Okay, yeah. that's better than I thought it was, but it looks like... It looked really, for the longest time, it looked like it was going to make it, and it seems like they might be on track to make it just barely in the next day or two. Yeah. Which I'm surprised because, like I said, that's a really obscure game where, 
Yeah, well, you have to wear headphones, and you're playing with the PlayStation Move, and it's all soundscape stuff. Well, see, I didn't think it was obscure, mostly just that it has been heralded by all the gaming sites for, like, the last year but and a no half. no one's done a really good job explaining exactly what it is or how you play Did it Did you read well. any of these articles? Yeah! Because they all talked about it at length. Well, it's been like, well, you put and on headphones, been jizzing and there's sound, and... And I know it's, like, the be- most satisfying gaming experience. The thing is, you like have to buy, like, even with the Kickstarter, even if you buy the game, you still have to go out and hunt down a PlayStation Move. Good luck finding that. <laughs> you enjoy being an asshole. So yeah, much. it's true. Fuck that noise. I'm gonna keep going. Producer Rick McCollum is finally leaving Lucasfilm. <laughs> he was the guy in charge of production of pretty much everything at Lucasfilm for the last 20 years, from the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles to the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Yeah, Harry is Plinkett's shitting himself about this right now. Yeah. What is it with Rick's? <laughs> Rick McCollum. Yeah, no, Rick McCollum. He was like, he was the guy always like on Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars documentaries, just talking about George's the best. His vision. He's the guy who had to br- bear most of the brunt for the prequels being bad because, yeah. like George Lucas, he's not going to go out and talk to people. Yeah. yeah, he had to send this poor Rick McCollum bastard out, and Rick McCollum's the one being like, George has a vision. Even if no one seems to appreciate this film, I think it is the best thing in the world. You can tell the guy's just dying inside. <laughs> And so, yeah, well, I mean, now that George Lucas sold off Lucasfilm, there's nothing for that guy to do. So now he's going off to, like, masturbate into a tin can or something, I guess. So, yeah, that poor son of a bitch. He he did nothing but get kicked in the nuts for 20 years. Bless his heart. He always came across as kind of a skeezy son of a bitch. Because, like, even in the interviews and stuff with him, he's so much like, everything's so great. Star Wars is so... I mean, I know he's supposed to be the company mouthpiece. He's not supposed to be like, eh, we did okay. But he's always so like, George is the master film, film teller of our blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? Rick McCollum, shut up. His utterance is coming out of that motherfucker. Now he's, now he's going away. I hate Rick McCollum. Oh, Bill. Get him and Rick Berman together and just sew their balls together and punch them in the nuts. What? You get La Chiffre with his carpet beater from Casino Royale to beat Rick Berman and, and, and Rick McCollum in the nuts with their Frankenstein cocks. Okay. Can you tell I saw Casino Royale As week? Bill mentioned, the soundtrack for Journey got nominated for Best Score at the Grammys. Good luck. Do you know in. that in the, in, the, in the James Bond books, James Bond visits Vesper Lynn's grave once a year at Casino Royale? No. That's kind of sad. Yeah. I want to see that in the movies. That's the next one's got to start off with the... Yeah, that's how you start off the next one. The next James Bond movie... How do you do that in the movie, like, in the movie? You could do it at the end, I guess. But then that would... Because you can't open that way. If they ever come back to where... If they ever pick up the quantum, whatever, like, threads they dropped That's in true. Skyfall... If they go back to That'd the be actually a great bullshit. way to realize, the, to bring home the fact that they're coming back to that. Yeah. And, like, he's at the grave of Vesper Lynn, and he's got uh, Felix Leader, the black guy, his friend, his, his <laughs> cock in his hand. He's just Aww. milking it. He's like, oh, Vesper Lynn. This is the both- worst <laughs> podcast in the world. <laughs> Why do I do this every week? And he says, and his first line of the movie is, Bond. Sad James Bond. That's how you know he's sad. It's not the worst thing you could have said. Okay. <laughs> Looks like we're probably going to get a Korra DVD sometimes next spring. Probably time to coincide with the start of season two. Brian Konetsko pointed to uh, Tumblr pictures of him and, uh, uh, what's his butt? Other guy, Mike DiMartino. Yeah, Mike DiMartino. And yeah. Uh, Janet Varney recording commentary for the DVD. I wanted to see, I was zooming in on the pictures of that because I wanted to see Janet Varney's chin all fucked up. 
Did you? Did we talk about this last week? She yeah. got a bu- She got ran off her bike by a bus in Hollywood. Oh, like was it last week or week before last? Poor kid. Yeah, and she got her her chin got split open. Oh, poor kid. Yeah, she got jacked up. I don't know if she was responsible for the accident or what, but she sounds like she got messed up. And mm-hmm. well, she must be doing pretty well because she's recording Legend of Korra. She's tough, broad. Yeah, she looked normal. So unless they like did some weird like. Maybe they just filled in the hole in her face. Oh. Well, I tweeted at her online. I was like, at least now you can look like Harrison. Now you got something in common with Indiana Jones and Han Solo because they have the, you know, Harrison Ford's badass, you know, chin scar. Yeah. So. And Tita Fey. That's right. Tita, Tita Fey got, got like attacked by a snowman, or she won't talk <laughs> about it. What happened to she her? She talks about it in uh, in uh, uh, Bossy Pants. Bossy Pants actually. She oh, has a whole chapter about what, it. What? What? She basically says, "I'm going to talk about this just because people ask me about it, and now I won't have to talk about it anymore." She got uh, slashed. By who? And by some... I don't think she even knew him. It was just some guy. Oh, Some really? random person slashed her in the face with a knife. How does she trust being around anyone? Any well, what's interesting is she talks about how um, because it totally gave her this inflated self-esteem because people t- treated her with such deference and attention because this terrible thing had happened to oh. her. Rather than making her feel like violated and less than, it gave her an inflated sense of self-importance for something she had no control over. Did you see the top picture on Reddit for the last couple days where it's somebody like taking a photo of their friend on the set of, th- like behind the scenes set of for 30 Rock? And it's Tina Fey's in the background, like, making this... He's She's photobombing the guy. Mm-hmm. But she's just making this really weird face, like, Bleh! Like, she's I great love that lady! Faces. She's a wonderful lady. She needs lady. to be president someday. <laughs> president of not just America, but of the world. There we go. At a game monetization summit this week, Michael Pachter predicted that Activision will try to monetize the subscriptions for Call of Duty on next-gen consoles, and specifically make the multiplayer half of big games like Call of Duty and Destiny subscription-based, while single-player games remain one-time purchases. Which, Bill notes, at that point, wouldn't the multiplayer and single-player halves of games practically be two entirely separate games? Anyway? Yeah, at this rate, it seems inevitable, especially if if a company like Activision is, is as greedy as it is. It makes sense for them to split off the multiplayer half of the half of Call of Duty and just make that its own subscription-based thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could buy the campaign as its own separate game for like yeah. thirty bucks or something like that. But it's yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens because they tried to do Elite and monetize Call of Duty that way, well, but that, it was, that was only with added like aspects rather well, also, than supposedly that like fractured the community because there were some people who had Elite and some people who didn't, and supposedly yeah. like like. I can't remember, but they like I remember reading reports that people were talking about how that was actually like like functionally like fractured some parts of the community. Like yeah, it's, it and it didn't really make them money. Yeah, it just kind of like yeah. just it was more of an ex- failed experiment. Exactly. And so this maybe what they fall back onto is well, this is interesting because like Xbox Live as it as it, as it's designed now does not have anything for subscription stuff. So if they do this, they would have to, like I wonder how much Activision might be working with Microsoft. Maybe uh, Michael Pactor. This is all. Michael Pactor has no reason to think what this. He has no concrete evidence that any of this st- stuff is going to no. happen. But, but it's a reasonable, of, reasonable like guess. Yeah, and considering that like bu- like Microsoft designed all of Xbox Live around what Bungie said they wanted and needed to make online Halo games, mm-hmm. it's not so. It's it's not completely beyond reason to suspect that Bungie still might be talking to Microsoft again for the design of the next iteration of Xbox Live. Yeah. And especially with Activision funding most of the stuff Bungie's doing right now, yeah. and Activision might be having a hand in that, saying, well, maybe you could also make it so that we could charge subscriptions. But, like, can Microsoft, can they get away with charging a yearly subscription for Microsoft, for Xbox That's Live? The thing. So I wonder, this might be a thing where they finally come out and say, hey, we've listened to everyone's feedback. We're going to make Xbox Live free for everybody. 
with the unfortunate reveal that now you have to play the subscription fees to play all these games you want to play. I mean, I wonder if that's going to be the trade-off. I don't know. We'll find out. It'd be out. great, because this would guarantee that I'd never play a multiplayer game ever again. I know! They'll, like, Activision will make more money, but multiplayer console gaming, that would, that would drive me to start playing more online PC stuff. Because, you know, that's all free. Aside mm-hmm. from having to buy a PC. Yeah. <laughs> but that would be, that would be a real, that would make on, online console gaming a really niche goddamn thing. So well, I we'll wonder if they'll, they'll probably do something like, kind of like, um, I wonder if they'll do something like where you can play online, like maybe you can only play a set number of maps or something like that, or something you can only like reach that. a certain level. And that's level. not, I, I'm assuming that not all games would be subscriber-based. Oh, of course. like is... I said, this is all still theoretical, but like... I could see Activision really pushing it, saying, hey, we just want to make more money off this Call of Duty shit. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, because Call of Duty's kind of like going on the down, downhill anyway. Yeah. Like, sales, well, I don't know. Fuck first-person shooter called fucking <laughs> online shooter bullshit. God damn, it's so... I, I'm curious uh, to see what changes with the next console generation, because console gaming, in terms of, like, the, the way this stuff is monetized, has been this weird holding pattern. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what changes. You know, it, 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 that's kind of the logical conclusion of the online pass as it exists now. Yeah, it just turns it's into just, subscription. Yeah, where it's this. just like straight up, you buy a single player game, it has a multiplayer aspect, but you have to buy it. Separately. But the weird thing is, like, MMOs have shown that, like, especially if, 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 like, it sounds like Bungie may be kind of like trying to make their next, the Destiny shooter kind of a little bit more of an on, on, on like an MMO where it's going to be an online sustained world. Yeah. They've already. Sh- proven that like subscription based stuff does not work for pc mmos like could there could it be like free to play stuff if it's not subscription based or could it be a combined like a very low per subscription like monthly subscription or yearly subscription even amended with also like crappy free to play like there's ten dollars for a bigger gun that's what i'm saying free to play works there's so much room for xbox as bad as everyone hates xbox live now in terms of like you gotta pay 50, you know fifty or sixty bucks a year to play online and stuff, there's so much room for it to get worse. Yeah. If Activision gets its way, <laughs> yeah. and like Activision is the one publisher out there with that's big enough and has the power to kind of like maybe sh- like like form how Xbox Live is 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 developed. Mm. So fuck influence. It'll ah! be interesting to see what gaming is like in two years. Yeah. It's going to be a very different see. beast. Very different beats. Yeah. Um, Nintendo is blocking access to all Peggy 18 rated games and content in Europe after nighttime. This is the most Nintendo thing. <laughs> Nintendo. How, do they even understand the, how the internet works? Uh, like, you can't just, like, what? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, abstractly, I get what they're going Peggy for. Peggy 18 being, you know, if you were in the United States, that's the M-rated equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just bizarre. I, mean, I think you can still play games. You just can't go into. The, they just shut down the eShop. Yeah. From from like is it like eleven p.m. to some like sometime in the morning. Just like what are you doing? That's not like. <laughs> yep. Oh and, Nintendo. And, and at, at least at first I thought it was like maybe Nintendo was being pressured by like government stuff in Europe. Nintendo just came out and said, no, we just we just think this is the best way to protect children. Well, it's weird that they did that in Europe. It's kind of like the Wii Mini in in uh, Canada. It's like they keep choosing these bizarre places to roll out these really weird <laughs> initiatives. I hear in Mexico they're going to have a Wii Mini that only works from... <laughs> It'll take a siesta in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Smith announced that he's making another Clerks movie and that it'll be the last movie he ever directs. I know you're a huge fan of this Clerks trilogy. What do you think? Because you live and die by the words of Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Have you ever even seen a Kevin Smith movie? 
Yes, I've seen them all. Oh, really? I've seen... Which, what's your favorite? I actually really like Jersey Girl. Yeah? I only saw it in theaters. Well, okay, as a lesbian, as a lesbian who was once straight, who is now a lesbian, what do you think of Chasing Amy? Chasing Amy really kind of rolled off my back. Okay. I can't remember anything from it. Either people seem to either really love or really hate Chasing Amy. I dig Chasing Amy. But then I'm a straight white guy who has lady gay friends who have had sexual fluidity in the past, so... If nothing else, that movie is terrible just for putting, like, putting a quotable, like, uh, approach to the whole concept of a lesbian just needs a good dicking. Yeah. I know, just putting that into words. It's not like that idea even if, didn't even, exist. Even as a joke, but yeah, that, that's... But now you can find a looping animated gif of a person saying it, yeah. and everyone will know what it's talking about. That's that's unfortunate. But... To be fair, if the dicking is from Tom Hardy, though. <laughs> Tom Hardy can is beyond sexuality. <laughs> he is beyond gender. It's no, okay. His penis is the elder one. <laughs> I know, Kevin Smith, man. Well, it's just interesting that Kevin Smith was talking about how his whole red state thing was going to be like this herald of a new type of filmmaking. Yeah, three people he... came to see it. Kevin Smith is fascinating in that, no, I think he, he did his whole tour, but his whole tour yeah, was as much well, about but... him being Kevin Smith as it was about his movie. Yeah. It was a cult of personality more than anything else. Kevin Smith is fascinating because he, more than anyone else I can think of in pop culture, clearly has no plan. He is winging it at all times. Yeah, he's been doing it for 20 years. I'm surprised he even got this far. He's like, I don't know, I'm going to make this movie. I don't know, I'm going to make a TV show. I don't know, I'll put it on ABC. I don't know, maybe I'll do a <laughs> podcast. Okay. Okay, maybe I'll do a reality show. Okay, I'm going to make a horror movie. Well, that's... I guess I'll do digital and a tour. Wait, well, I guess no more movies. Oh, wait, no, I'm going to do a cop movie. I'm going to write like, three comic books and kind of forget to finish Exactly! Them. Yeah, like, he is so clearly just making it up as he goes along. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I was tweeting about this earlier this week, and I saw a whole bunch of people complaining. I get, I guess, his comic book output. He's never finished like a comic book series. Yeah. Like he'll he'll get asked to write like twelve issues of this, yeah. and he'll do six, and kind of just get distracted by whatever. <laughs> like he's too stoned to finish it, or he'll yeah. just get distracted by whatever like new Hollywood thing he's trying to get off the ground. Kevin or... Smith is not look at this way. He is not the best role model for geekery. He doesn't seem like a bad guy. No. He's just shiftless as fuck. Yeah. Did you see the Harry? He is not. He is not the 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 um, role model that comics and movies <laughs> deserve. But it's the role model that we have. Did you see Harry Knowles' review of Jack Creature on Ain't It Cool? So this what? Week? Explain to me what happened. It wasn't a huge kerfuffle. It was just Harry Knowles, which it was so positive that everyone thinks it's probably a bought off review. Which I yeah. keep on hearing. Even I've I've heard from multiple multiple sources that Ain't It Cool and, and Harry Knowles in particular has been bought off. So. Well, it's Harry Knowles. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's yeah he's the fucking pillar of of of, of Again, journalistic not morality. The, not the icon that we deserve. Exactly. But yeah, that. but like so, it's like this glowing dick sucking review of Jack Creature. Of course, half of it is fractured sentences, random yeah. misspellings, yeah. random capitalization. Again, Harry Knowles. The typical Harry Knowles, but he forgot to even sign his name to it. Yeah. So it's just this post with no attribution, just Jack Creature is so great. And everyone, you know it's you know it's Harry because it's the worst written possible <laughs> review that site could have posted. And so the whole talk back is people like going sentence by sentence, just like tearing apart how terrible, you know, like how terrible this review is. Yeah. Pointing out the Harry isms and yeah. like different parts. It's just like it's just a quintessential anicool.com. <laughs> That's why it's not it's not particularly particularly heinous or anything like that, but it's just really amusing. So as someone who irrationally hates Harry Knowles as much as I do, yeah, it's delicious. Cool news every day and have for how many years now, Bill? Yeah. Just because, well, at least before, like, at least they still had the scoop on the news. Anacool.com is pretty much the last place that posts any kind of interesting news now. But it's still just interesting just to see what the hell they're posting about any given week. Because yeah. it's still just like, 
Oh man, it's amazing. It's yeah. a, and like they still haven't changed their site design since like nineteen ninety four. It's like GeoCities. Shit. It is like visiting GeoCities every week. It's like a time it's capsule. Like the, do they still have the blooping background of um the embossed? Well, it, oh, for a while there it was embossed. Uh, the White House exploding from Independence Day. I think they changed that. Oh, did they, they change they, it they to refer embossed it back to, King Kong? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. Uh, anyway, uh, Bill also notes, what's with all these indie filmmakers going out of the way to announce I'm ending my career now, with Tarantino claiming he's only going to direct a few more movies before he gets too old, and Steven Soderbergh retiring from Hollywood after he makes his Liberace movie to focus on painting. A, I forgot that he was making a Liberace movie. B, I didn't realize that was the movie he plans to go out on. Yeah. C, I didn't realize he was retiring just to focus on his oil paints. I've never seen any of his oil paints. Uh, they're mostly of George Clooney. <laughs> Uh, just by, like, velvet-hating, like, artful nudes. Just, like, things The draped. tyranny of King George. <laughs> Clooney. <laughs> so, huh. yeah, I don't know what's up with everyone. Just, like, it's like it's like white 21st century uh, it's like Wes Anderson just needs to announce now that he's going out. And that'll don't be... you dare. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom was perfect. No, but yeah, like... Like, you know, who gives a shit if Kevin Smith retires? But Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Like, Tarantino and Soderbergh, those are two filmmakers. They're both, that... like, at the height of their powers right now. And Glorious Bastards, with Tarantino's last movie, was my favorite movie he's ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, he's always just... He had a crazy run of movies, because he did Haywire and Contagion and... Well, it's funny, because, like, uh, me, like, I was flipping out about Out of Sight last week. That was the first big Hollywood movie he directed. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, yeah, he had, uh... Did he do Contagion? Yeah. Because, well, he did the, the... Magic Mike. The Oceans movies. Yeah. But then he does shit like Syriana. Like, he wavers back and forth between doing very big... Not crass, but, like, obviously his cash in movies. Yeah. And he'll come in and do, like, oh, here's a movie about George Clooney having sex with a goat or something like that. <laughs> but then he'll do his movie about George Clooney being sexy. Hello there, George Clooney. But, you know, so... Yeah, I don't know what the hell's up with that. Fuck those guys. Johnny Depp is releasing another album of sea shanties in February. This one featuring Tom Waits, Sean, uh, Sean Mc... How do you say his name? Oh, you... Shane McGowan? You lose all your goddamn pirate sea guy, shanty cred. Dude, he, that's all my Bill cred. I don't care. If you it, didn't listen... You didn't... Obviously did it because Bill notes it's a sequel to another album of sea shanties that Depp produced <laughs> a few years ago that seemed to have bombed. You, you Did you not even download it? Did you not even get the other sea shanty album? The... It's okay. two CDs worth of the most terrible covers of sea shanties we'll ever hear. His name, the guy you, you tripped up on, his yes. name, if you pronounce it like he does, it's <laughs> Shane McGowan. Shane McGowan. Okay, Shane. Yeah. Okay. He, he's, he's just a touch Irish. He's also got three T's. I know. I know what he looks like. I but... know he looks like. Cause he what, looks... What's his band? What's his band? The Pogues. The yeah. Pogues, yeah. Well, he used to. I don't know if he's with the Pogues or he constitutes sure. the Pogues. I think he got kicked out half a dozen times. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I never listened. It's Johnny Depp. Of course I didn't buy it. I bad. love sea shanties. Also, you, you gave me all the sea shanties I really need for the rest of my this life. This is true. Because Annie had. Well, you used to have. Do you still have this collection of Probably. sea shanties? It fucks up whenever I put my iTunes on shuffle. Oh, really? I had five days worth of sea shanties. And you gave me a lot of them. And, yeah. like, they're actually recorded by real, like, pirate and <laughs> pirate enthusiasts. Well, there's a couple. There's, but like, a lot of historical recordings. Yeah. And, like, and, it, and then, like. It's actually yeah. kind of anthropological. It's not like Johnny Depp shit where it's like, hey, let's get Justin Bieber to sing 15 Men on a Dead Man's Chest, except it's got, like. 
I may be misremembering, but weirdly, I think the best sea shanty on that compilation before was the uh, a version of a song done by Sting. Oh, really? people. That's as I recall. They were all really bad. Tom Waits was on the first album, as I recall. That's it was no, yeah. it was no I, good. I heard outtakes from it, and Shit I was like, no good. Johnny Depp, what are you doing? Just because you play a pirate in a movie does not make you a pirate authority. There we go. Oh, my. And I'm not even a pirate nerd, like, where, like, like PDX jar type shit. Uh, De- Depp has also bought the rights to make a Don Quixote movie, though this one will be directed by Gore Verbinski rather than Terry Gilliam. Yeah, that's kind of weird. How does Terry Gilliam feel about that? Um, because didn't they try to make that movie again? Yeah, well, that's yeah, a couple times. Well, yeah. there was the Man in La Mancha time. Yeah, and then but weren't they trying to drum it up? I think Terry Gilliam's used to being left in the dust by other people. To be in fair, Hollywood. yeah, like Terry that's kind goddamn of, Gilliam. He's lucky that Johnny Depp didn't die halfway through the making of <laughs> his first attempt at making a Don Quixote movie. Oh dear. Um, uh, there's gonna be a third Tron movie. <laughs> there's nothing else to say. Another uh, my uh, abiding memory. Didn't you go? Didn't you and I go yeah. see Tron together? Yeah. And I was the only person who came out of the theater going, I, I was not offended, and you and everyone else was like, "Fuck that movie. That was a waste of seven bucks." It was. It was boring. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty. At least we saw it in three D. Yeah. And it and it, I thought it was a pretty good use of three D. But yeah, as as any kind of a narrative thing, what's her name? Really Cheeky bad. was kind of cute too. But it's uh, just like yeah. I don't know why we need a Tron. third Tron movie. Well, didn't it bomb? Like, did it bomb as bad as the first no, Tron? No, I think it did. I think it made money, but it just... I think it made its budget back and a couple extra bucks left over, but it wasn't like... Disney was trying to position it as this big... Da, da, da. Yeah. yeah, Disney doesn't have to be doing... With Star Tron, Wars... Yeah, they don't need to do Tron anymore. They don't, like... Yeah. Yeah, why Tron? <laughs> no one's like going, oh man, I guess... I gotta find out what happens after the end of the last Tron. <laughs> the end of the last Tron? Is there even... Did they oh, even they, wait, did the end of Tron... Wasn't it the fusion of the real world and the Tron world? Oh, no, they come out of the computer. Yeah. The ladies are like, let's go get a real world beer. <laughs> I like one of your human hamburgers. She's like, something like, why does my top, rubber top feel... I have nipples on... I have... Stop. I, I have Stop. Organs Stop. beneath these clothes? Uh, I'm gonna well, go to the next. Episode. Well, that's when you're when you're CGI construction in the Tron universe. Your clothes are part of you. They're like painted on. Uh-huh. It's like you come out and suddenly you have pubic hair that's suddenly rubbed against like the chafing against your skin tight outfit, and you're like, "Fuck! Give me some cotton pants, motherfucker." Tron three, their search for cotton pants. <laughs> Bioshock Infinite <laughs> got delayed until March 26th. Yay! You know what? At first, I was bummed. But this gives me an extra month to uh, finish Skyrim. Bioshock will never come out. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I always forget that Infinite is a shooter. <laughs> you forgot it's not just like a wandering around 1912 simulator. I would so rather it be just like, I want to buy it on PC and then have there be a mod where it's basically like Mist. I've talked about this in the past, but it's like, I don't want to play these ga- shooters. Well, especially so- the Bioshock games don't have particularly good shooting in the first place. Even a shooter, it's not necessarily the great shooting. But it's more I don't about, even know what a good shooter is. What is a good shooter? You can aim down the sights. What is? Well, give me an example of a good shooter. Just, just good. Just like what's a good shooter? I'm serious. Well, I think Call of Duty is a good sh- in terms of just like the basic control and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Call of Duty in terms of like uh, respawning enemies and combat design is a bad shooter. Halo is a good shooter. Okay. Where it's got good controls. Uh, combat design is really interesting. Where you've got different kinds of enemies who who play very specific roles that interlock. Mm-hmm. In interesting in different ways depending on the situation have really smart ai whereas bioshock really is you're just kind of like at least in the first bioshock game i never played the second one you are just kind of like trolling down a corridor the shooting feels kind of very kind of mechanical where you're just kind of shooting shit you're out of your hand there's no real 
precise but feel to it. The whole thing it. with Bioshock is that you get to, like, you, you're not, you don't have to just shoot. But yeah, you've got the... You, like, it's the whole idea of choice and yeah. how you... Because, like, what I really... My favorite thing about well, Bioshock... Well, you shouldn't be shooting that much in Bioshock. That's the thing, yeah. I What I hate about... what I, It's kind of like Dishonored, or at the beginning of Dishonored, it reminded me of Bioshock, in that, at the beginning, when I'm forced to just shoot, yeah. I hate it. And it's only later when I lock on my shit, we're like, Because, like, the way I play Bioshock 2 was you get an ability in Bioshock 2, eventually you can just summon sentry like flying sentry bots mm. with that and my bees and when i'm in maneuvering an environment i don't have to shoot fucking anybody see i was magical i was hoping bioshock infinite would embrace more of more of just being a first person adventure game rather yeah. than a shooter and that's why i'm so dismayed at seeing so many of the trailers granted it's just trailers it's not indicative they're gonna of what... show gameplay like, like yeah and they're gonna show a lot of shooting because first person shooters are the big thing that right now if you want to sell a game you sell it on the merits of this is a shooter Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the same reason why uh, just actually just earlier this afternoon as we're recording uh, t- uh, Ken Levine came out in defense of the bland cover art for the game oh yeah where he like he he, he was very honest in saying we uh, we were test marketing Bioshock Infinite to like frat kids and like college kids mm-hmm. uh, you know essentially to people who buy lots who buy video games the, essentially the people who buy like Madden and Call of Duty right. once a year but don't necessarily read like IGN or follow up exactly. game stuff and we're like, okay, what do you think? What have you guys heard about this Bioshock Infinite game? And they're like, what the hell is Bioshock Infinite? Yeah. And they're like, we realize we're gonna have to like, like, focus the advertising campaign and even the box art towards people who, like, you want to make the most, you want to make this game as popular as possible. Yeah. Uh, so you market it, you have the cover art, so it's a bad yeah. guy with a gun, badass exactly. guy with a gun. It's 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 not. It's not a Saturday evening post cover, no. but it's... Well, like I said, the purpose of a cover is not to appeal to people who are already going yeah. to buy a game. And so, of course, the trailer is going to be more shooty, 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 but I would love to see the final game be a mix of you can shoot, but half of it is also, like, yeah, maybe there's stealth stuff. There's the magical powers you can use. Where, yeah, you can sh- shooting is an option, but it's like like Dishonored, where you, in that game you could shoot. You, I mean, you actually had a pistol you could use sometimes, Yeah, but that was usually your least interesting option for any given situation and something tells me bioshock infinite is not going to be that it is going to be more just it's going to be it's going to play like bioshock it's yeah it's good so it's going to play that's a five-year-old game though and that kind of like clunky shooty 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 mcshooty doom style very kind of like bare bones kind of shooting action mixed with more interesting like magical stuff abilities mm-hmm. that's nice but I, like we've already played that and we, you can already do stuff like that even better in games like dishonored and stuff like that i'm i'm, I'm ho- hopefully bioshock infinite doesn't that's not all there is to bioshock infinite because like we'll i said see. other games have already outdone bioshock in terms of first person combat and non-shooting gameplay like dishonored mm-hmm. that like i'm sure it'll i be hope bioshock sort of... infinite can be at least as interesting as dishonored let's it'll, put it that way it'll probably be an evolution of it i mean yeah. they're if you're a developed like they very clearly did not want to reinvent the wheel that's why they did not make bioshock 2 yeah. instead they just worked on bioshock infinite i'm sure it's going to be some sort of evolution of it but yeah, it's we'll it's see. still going to be shoot man shooter also elizabeth's only got half a pinky yeah, we were watching the trailer the, for the VGAs. I promised myself I would not watch, I would be on total blackout, but Annie wanted to watch the trailer. Oh, I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry, Bill. Yeah, that's no, fine. But no, the uh, what was interesting is that during the VGA thing is that uh, during the opening sequence when you're first talking to her, um, she has a tiny, tiny little pinky with like a little thimble. Yeah, on. half her, like, it looks like at first, on first blush, it just looks like she's got a thimble on her is it on the pinky finger of her left hand? Mm-hmm. And looking at it closer, no, on she's right actually hand. missing half of her pinky, and yeah. it's just capped by a, a thumb, by a, a thingy thingy, a thimble. 
Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Man, Bioshock Infinite is totally going to be another game where I wish I could watch someone play rather than playing myself. Much like Spec Ops The Line. Let's talk about that in a moment. But before we go to our Spec Ops The Line uh, spoiler cast, we got an email this week from beloved listener Grumpy Turtle. Uh, who said, a while back I signed into my now-dead DeviantArt page for the first time in years, only to find my favorite string of comments from a user on what I consider less than stellar drawing I did. This drawing is of, um... Birdo. Birdo. Yeah. Um, Luigi reacting in horror to Birdo, having just given birth to a half-Birdo, half-Waluigi critter. I jerked off to it. <laughs> Bill finished, so it's fine. But this person left a string of contents that says... I saw this person would not shut up. You stupid Birdo hater. <laughs> I hate you. What's your problem? Not funny. All multiple exclamation marks. Immediately followed by another comment saying, Still hate you, dummies. This is supposed to the same day. So it's not like this. This is maybe an hour later. This guy has something I to continue say, to yeah. hate you. How can you laugh? Birdo is awesome. What kind of sick joke is this? And yes, I created a whole account just to comment on this trash, <laughs> you stupid people. I hate you more than Eva, and so does Rich Dino. About 50 exclamation marks, um, four sad faces, still hate you people, ten more exclamation marks. This is someone on DeviantArt yelling at listener Grumpy Turtle. Then there's a a, a third comment. What the fuck? That says, do you think I forgot so fast? Again, and and then a crying, a a sticking thumb out, uh, a a sticking tongue out icon. Those are all three on the same day. (laughs) Wow. Grumpy Turtle. So Grumpy Turtle asks, um, I can't even be mad about it because the comments are so awesome, which is the best response. So as two very talented artistic people, I was wondering what your favorite negative comment or comments you've gotten over the years are. One that never made you mad, but only made you laugh at how silly or stupid they were. Um, Bill, I'd have to say, Bill, you laugh at every single piece of criticism you've ever gotten in your entire oh, life. Oh, because I expect any kind like... What? Oh, so he's not asking how we overcome this. No, he's talking about so what comments could you not laugh draw... at. Nintendo Power stuff, and people love it no matter how terrible looking it is. Bill did a comic for the most the last issue of Nintendo Power, uh, and he it has been getting a lot of acclaim on the internet as well. It should. Bill can't stop shitting it, on it. I think it looks terrible because Bill well, did have to do it within two or three days. And I, I like I wanted it to look more like the original Herbert and Nestor comic strips. Yeah. And to my mind's eye, it, it does. I think the back. What are you gonna do, nice? Bill? Are you gonna break out the markers? Although on Reddit, I saw when this got leaked online this week. It was literally like 3,000 comments, everyone saying, oh, so fantastic, hits me right in the feels. The there feels. are half a dozen people saying, what the fuck is this gay shit? <laughs> what the fuck is this crap? What? This is stupid. And I was just like, man, I'm trying to think of the worst thing anyone's... I've gotten a lot of terrible... Well, I've gotten yelled at for like the Doctor Who pinup stuff I've done, mm-hmm. just for, for the, the by virtue of the fact that like... I had directly copied uh, Mooka's poses mm-hmm. for that, but that's the point. I'm, I'm re-envisioning the Mooka stuff. It's not like I was trying to trick people into thinking, no. I came up with Mooka's stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, like, any directly negative... I've got my shirt, but, like, I, it's rolled off... I let it roll off my back so successfully. Yeah, I know it's been there. Shits. Yeah, you're kind of asking the wrong person. Because I, I, I've gone through life being criticized enough for everything that I do that I... That, that, that input radar dish on the side of my head that like ingests those messages from the world is burnt out years ago. Yeah. So I'm deaf in that critical ear. Whereas I have never actually presented anything that I care about on the internet. Yeah. Um, so and therefore I've and I don't think I've ever gotten any negative feedback on anything I've ever done on the internet until this week. Actually, I got my first troll comment on anything I've ever made on the internet. I know it's only a matter of time. I keep waiting for someone to uh, leave a shitty review of the boy Hattie podcast on iTunes or something like that. Do you look at the reviews? Yeah. They're oh, I feel bad because I can't. There are only two of them. Well, this is getting. Oh, really? There are oh, two reviews on iTunes. 
I keep on, I keep on like, I can't bring myself to look at the reviews because I can't, because I know we're terrible. <laughs> and I just don't want to be. We have seven five-star ratings. And every time really? I look at that, I'm like, you guys are lying to yourselves. Oh, we love you guys. <laughs> these guys Christmas gifts. Oh, we my God. We need to get gifts from Brian Smith. And I can't remember who the other person is now. But the other person says, uh, I can't believe this podcast doesn't have more listeners. Uh, Bill's high-pitched screams are so funny. What? That's the comments yeah. that are left. Um, no, but this week I got my first Eritrol comment. I make I made videos for my work. You really did this low years fi, ago. Eh, like a year ago. I made really low-fi videos for my work, and someone left a comment on YouTube pointing out that I was a pig. So a fat comment. And I am a rounder person. And I just laughed. The user's name was something like super obvious troll. So it's like even beyond the fact that when you make talk shit about someone for no reason on the internet, you're trolling. The fact that he was clearly like, like so obviously trying to get banned. Well, I found the comment. And so I clicked on the user and I found his homepage. Yeah. Where it's this guy who like his online business is like selling tapes of himself making prank calls to people. Oh. I, I, I tweeted you a link to this guy's website. Oh, I didn't see. This guy is the biggest asshat. Like this was one of this. He's a professional guy. asshole. Yeah. Well, it's just like of all the and things. Not funny at all. He's such a schmuck. Which is all lowercase. Just what a pig. That was that's it. no all? punctuation. That's all he said. What a pig. And I just laughed. That come? Did that just come through this week, or you just found it this week? Well, it just was posted this week. So how the hell did he find your? Like I don't even sound like randomly poking around. Video These videos view? have less than a thousand views. It's each. a video view. Would you mind taking that out? Because I don't want to talk about what I do professionally. I don't want my professional thing to come into this podcast at all. So we're gonna edit this whole section of the podcast. Well, just or just take out the part where you want to talk about what I'm talking about. What? What, I, what I'm what the video is about? Oh, okay. Because I don't want to. I don't want to just bleep it out when I say when you're doing the thing. Yes, you can do that. That's fine. Oh, this is part where I'm like Annie's. <laughs> this is part where Annie talks about how you pack a, a, a rubber penis in your pants for maximum David Bowie effect. I hate this podcast sometimes. Um, no, so, yeah, no, it was just such a randomly, transparently person trying to get a rise out of me. And it was just like... You know what? If I bleep out what you do in this video, that's just gonna leave people's it's imaginations. It's gonna sound gonna worse. Like... Yeah. But I don't want you talking about... I would prefer you talk take out this whole part where we're talking about this, too. Annie's whole matter. ping pong video? <sighs> then we have nothing to say. It's a grumpy turtle. Well, no, no, just we're talking about the video, like, the subject of the video. You and then I was talking up! about... Not to say you deserve. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> no, just like when oh. you say what it is. I don't mind us talking that I got a comment. I just don't want to talk about what I do professionally online. I try not to talk about my offline, my online life on my job well, stuff because I actually have a web presence through my website, through my company website. So is this going to be on the podcast? <sighs> I would like from the point where you describe what it is on. To everything here. <laughs> Now. Then how do we now. end it? Now. Well, we can continue the conversation, but just not, just don't say what it was. This is behind the scenes choice cuts, the Boy Howdy podcast. Okay, we'll cut it out. Do you mind if people tell you, if, if people hear you telling me to cut it out? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. No, this, this presents like you, this is actually, a, brings up another question. As somebody with an online presence who does online stuff for their store, for their job, like, how do you, you know, divide the two? Well, I, like, I don't care if people find me through vice versa, but I just don't want to draw any explicit links. That's all it is. Because I'm, I'm online with my real name. I don't care. Yeah. But ultimately, I just don't want to overtly can make any overt Okay, so I will go, go out and I will bleep with the identifying features of this video. 
That's what I will do. Anyway, it's like, it's one of those things where I've never had anyone um, pick on me because of anything I post on the internet because I've never really put anything I feel strongly about. Which is amazing because you've been online for 15 years. I put a lot of dumb shit on the internet. And if someone says something mean about dumb shit, who cares? Maybe they meant to type, what a pog. (laughs) So that's it. Was it was your video about pogs? I'm trying to think. Did anyone? See, I remember vaguely remember someone saying savings. negative contents about camera obscura. Yeah. Wait, well, Annie used to do this. Uh, well, explain what kind of camera obscura I, I was. I worked at an antique. Sh- uh, uh, it was an assistant to an antique dealer, and so I would find all these antique photos and I would scan them and add. You know, I'm gonna bleep out half of these words so this sounds even worse. Commentary. <laughs> I used right. to bleep. I used to bleep and bleep and put bleep and bleep. Yeah. But no, and I vaguely remember someone left nasty comments about that. But my experience in the internet has been, uh, I've not had to deal with too many trolls. I'm sure that I would break down in tears or just freak out. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for the first negative review of Boy Howdy because this podcast is terrible and I know it. And you know it, dear listeners. But we don't need to say it. Did you, uh, you know Justin McElroy? I love him so much. Yeah. And he hosts a podcast about watching TV with his wife, Sydney McElroy. Yeah. And they got, like, this fucking crazy iTunes review this week. Just criticizing Sydney for talking about politics and how much what a terrible host she is and how she's a horrible human being, mm-hmm. and I guess she got upset enough that like she's thinking about never recording or putting anything else online. Ever that is again. exactly what I would do if someone listened to this, left a review for this podcast, and did it. Yeah, it was like the worst part is Annie can't speak a sentence straight, and she always interrupts. That's why I don't look at anything. Feelings. Like... I would never do this podcast again. Oh god, because I am already teetering on the cliff of this is the worst podcast in the world. We should stop doing it. <laughs> if someone just gives me a push that's it it's over selling the microphones on ebay so uh guys now if you want to destroy a podcast (laughs) just for fun you know exactly what you need to do (laughs) how to detonate the boy hottie podcast all you have to do is leave a message on itunes is calling us both porkers and that's it that's the end (laughs) well see that's accurate i'll allow someone to call me fat on the internet i'm fine with being fat and funny if it's fat (laughs) and sad just like what the If if, if it's if it's annie is this podcast is terrible. I would not <laughs> accept the compliment. I would just be focusing on the uh, this podcast. Is terrible. Oh God, I uh, Grumpy Turtle also said, um, in regards to my favorite licensed music and game, it's probably all of Brutal Legend. But if you want to get picky, the Mr. Crowley cutscene was. Oh, I fantastic. forgot we had the shout out for that, Mr. Crowley. I don't yeah. remember that part. I never got that far into the See, game. See, Brutal Legend was so steeped in licensed music that wasn't. It was. It's a kind of. Well, it was, didn't really punctuate the combat or anything in the game at that point. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I hate to. Maybe I should replay it. Part of it was that I am not. I'm very illiterate when it comes to metal, so maybe things that would have been more impactful were not for me. Yeah. Because I'm not familiar with it. Um. But I, I, like I said, I kind of. Um, I, I don't remember the music from Brutal Legend because Brutal Legend was all about music. Yeah, if there was a game of sea shanties. <laughs> but even then, if it's a game that's all sea shanties, then how could it be about sea shanty? Like, how can there be a sea shanty that stands out? Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't think of any others either. I think I named all the ones yeah, last Yeah, I was week. trying to think about that last week, too. But it's a... It's, it's just, uh, there are some moments in games that are very powerful that are more powerful because... Did you hear about the nurse in England who accidentally revealed that What's-Her-Face is pregnant? new queen or future queen or what was going on there no you didn't hear about this no you don't want to hear about this i saw the headline and i'm like i'm not clicking that link and so i i uh, my i lost my touch my touch is at work and i left it behind your ipod so touch I, it's not you just i lost my touch i can no I longer touch sing and dance the no, i lost my iPod, iPod touch and my ipod touch is how is my internet device so not having it um i've been using my vita the vita browser is terrible so i clicked a link on twitter there was someone saying like oh the nurse who leaked the was it was it like the pregnancy queen of suicide 
Is that the yeah? That was the headline. That's I was the like, insinuation. What? All they know is she's dead, and they know no, the police. Is well, it Scotland clicked, Yard? Scotland well, the Yard is not releasing any details. The Vita is so bad. The browser browser immediately crashed before I could even read the article. And there was a moment where I was like, you know what? I think they just yeah, did me a favor. Yeah. I don't want to know. The God story just stepped this. in, and yeah, <laughs> that sucks though. And supposedly she only revealed that information because she got a prank call from some like morning DJs pretending to be the queen. Uh, Which, to be fair, if you do that, you gotta feel fucking stupid. Speaking of public I don't. Really, I can't even imagine what... Is that tape really her just going, Oh, Queen Elizabeth, here, let me get those x-rays. She, her black eye... <laughs> x-rays is that an ultrasound. Is that what you do? Is yeah. that ultrasound just, like, like video x-rays? Is this, is this the lady with the hot ass? I always forget. Uh, no, that's Pippa. Is that Kate, her sister? Kate Middleton, yes. Kate Middleton also has a fine tuchus. I would, see, I would assume with her sisters, they're you probably You can see like, her fanny on the internet. Not British fanny either, her her American fanny. There was a moment when she was visiting Canada and the wind blew up her dress and she was not wearing underwear. The one who's pregnant now? Yeah, Kate Middleton. She's hot? My wife is obsessed with Kate Middleton. Because she's beautiful. She is a beautiful woman. Bill, she's a beautiful brunette. I'm surprised you're not on the Middleton train. All I remember is, sir, like, watching when they got married... Someone's sister, her this you're saying it's Pippa, her Pippa. sister. She's walking up the steps yes. of the chapel. And I'm sitting there. It's like one o'clock in the morning here in the states, and I was like, I was kind of dozing off. I'm like, <laughs> watching porn all of a sudden because she had the whole super white dress, and she's yes. like the camera lingered. It wasn't even one of those yeah. things where she was off in the corner of the yeah. the frame, and I'm I'm being a pervo. But it's like this long salacious shot of her just like walking up the steps, and nobody even saying anything. And you think like there's gonna be some like music kicking, like oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's gonna turn into like a thong commercial or something like that what happened so is she cute she fully cute. wants to bang her kate milton kate milton's beautiful okay does she look cuter than her husband who looks like a freak now <laughs> who is always had when he was a younger team he seemed like he was gonna turn into an attractive guy but he is obviously prince are Charles's you confusing son. are you confusing the royals because there's the hot royal and he's always been the kind of unfortunate royal who's the hot royal it's not the redhead name. Who looks like a skunk? Or he he looks he looks like in a Christmas story the bad guy from a Christmas story. <laughs> Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. Yeah. That's no, that's the redhead. Aren't there three of them? The three little bears. Goldilocks, their mom died. I genuinely all I know is that my sister from my sister talking. There's the hot royal and the less than hot royal. Well, I'm assuming the less than hot royal. But no, but isn't it Prince William? Prince William and Prince Harry, right? Yeah, Harry's the weirdo. Harry's the Scott Farkas. I always granted. I know more heterosexual women than you do, Bill. We should, we should do a broadcast for when, like, when this bitch gives birth. Oh, a lot why, of whatever. Why is she a bitch? She's a queen. Queen bitch. It's queen why bitch is she a Mars. bitch, Bill? Is it because she's a woman? Is it? No. We're talking so much about her. I'm just like, whatever, gives a shit. I, although, even though I'm the wrong brother, but uh, the queen, when's she gonna give birth? We gotta schedule like our live broadcast about her giving birth. Friends, we're gonna take a little break from this terrible podcast. That was I, you know why interview. I called her a bitch because was it the emblem of England is the bulldog? She's giving birth to bulldog pups, so I'm using it like in the scientific. Uh huh. We're going to take a little break or come back and talk about Spec Ops The Line. Which, again, I'm going to say, those of you who have not played it, please do not listen, because that game is a delight knowing nothing about but it. But buy the game. It's fantastic. I, I would wholeheartedly in, endorse buying it, just blindly. And I did, and because of people, I listened to people, and I, and I heard people said, blind, just buy it, learn nothing about it, buy it, buy it, buy it, play it, play it, play it, do it, and stick with it. 
Yeah, I mean, at least if if you're down with putting up for like an eight-hour kind of Gears of War third-person kind of shooter, it's it's fine to play. But yeah, the story and the writing is. Actually if you're really a person good. who likes story and games, it's an enjoyable adventure. Okay, we'll be coming back in just a minute to talk about that. stars for a uh, finger. What? You said uh, the part of Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's uh, asterisk, 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 asterisk is missing. It looks terrible. <laughs> it's oh, like, what do you think it's... Uh, well, someone commented vagina. It's vagina, isn't it? it, did, it her left labia got blown off saying, in the war. When Bill, when Bill does something like that. That's what happens at the end of Spec Ops The Line. <laughs> you find out that Elizabeth from Bioshock <laughs> Infinite... That's who you're playing as. It's flash forwards. There we go. Yeah, Willie Pete. Oh my gosh, Brook Ops. Uh, you know we're recording right now. Of course we are. Yeah. What are you thinking? Any? What are you? Are you actually playing the Vita right now as we're recording? I actually pulled up Twitter. Oh, you're looking at Twitter. Oh wow, how's that work out? Uh, actually, the Twitter app is okay. It's funny because it's a Twitter app that was designed for the launch of the Vita. So it's as good as a Twitter app from, like, a year ago would be, mm. but it still has some janky things where it's, like, to you, when you click on a tweet, it just takes you to a larger version of that tweet, and then you have to pick another button to choose, like, any conversations that what? were... It's, a, it's funny. It's, like, these these basic things that other Twitter apps have solved for us. Is it a then. specific dedicated Twitter app that's, like, on the... Yeah, it's called Live Tweet. Oh, okay. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, about Spurkerps. Hey, everybody, this is our Spurkerps to learn. Spurkerps. <laughs> oh my god, what the first Where we, you, we talk about this game in terms of uh, overdone internet memes. So, what ending did you choose? <laughs> so, Spec Ops The Line was an interesting little game. I have only one regret. The, the thing that actually finally got me to play it is um, the Penny Arcade Report had a piece um, of, uh, talking about a book that came out uh, that was basically a critical reading of Spec Ops Line, but called Killing is Harmless. It's an ebook. You can get it for like three bucks right now. It's going to go up to five dollars at the end of the month. Yeah, I was disappointed when I tried to download it on my iPad. There was no option to download it to my iPad. Well, it's a PDF or EPUB. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. By so that. you could, yeah, you pretty much have to use a computer to yeah. get. He's he's it's a self published thing. He's well, not no, doing no, no, no. you know. And God bless him because if you do it through iBooks or anything else ownership gets squirrely and you lose so i have not read this killing is harmless thing what what, what's so great about it oh well i mean it's just how many critical readings of games have you read is it good because it yeah it's an interesting thing it explores the game from the menu screen to the credits like it just it goes through each moment of the game and just kind of talks about it okay so does it explain because i'm still confused as about what the basic story of spec ops is i was a little bit too only because some of the way they pull the rug out of you it's not clear what's happening yeah. what's interesting is that they talk about the um he, he during a couple points of the books he talks about a, apparently a game st- uh, spot interview podcast interview with the head writer of the game and he was talking about how different interpretations of the game where he, they very well, deliberately his interpretation is everything after the 
the the the helicopter crash that starts the game off is uh, Walker and Purgatory. Well, he he says that that's one of the possible readings of the game. Well, yeah, which I like. Well, and I like that even the author of the game is like, well, there are a couple of different ways you can read it. No, I like yeah. There's no there's no one concrete way to read it. They it's, deliberately it's... designed the game to be ambiguous. Which was, you know what? That's probably a blessing. Disguise that this game bombed. That they like that at least they don't won't have to codify exactly what happened in this game by like having a direct story. <laughs> yeah. So we'll take a so... step back. So Spec Ops, of course, if, hopefully if you're listening to this, you have heeded our warnings and played the game. But Spec Ops: The Line is a game about a. Uh, 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 a three-man squad of army uh, of U.S. soldiers sent into a uh, post-apocalyptic storm Dubai to find out what happened to the 33rd, which was a battalion led by a man named John Conrad, who was meant to go in and do a uh, evacuation, yeah. but the evacuation went wrong. Well, it's also important to note that Dubai is what United States, United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a big-ass city. It's relatively... I mean, the city's old, but, like, the Dubai as we know it now is built up by a whole bunch of rich people. Yeah. Rich off of oil. So it's this big, gaudy... Essentially, like... It's, it's arguably it's, the most gaudy place It's the gaudiest, the like, brand-new Mercedes rims with diamond rims kind of city in the world. Yeah. And this city gets destroyed by, yeah, by a giant sandstorm that com- pretty much comes in. If whatever buildings don't get knocked down, they're buried up the sand halfway up the... And the implication yeah. in the game is that the there was just... The um, the news of the storms coming was kind of buried, no pun intended, so that the wealthy would have time to evacuate without the populace going like yeah. g- freaking out. Which the side effect was a lot of the populace was the basically all the poor people were left in the city to die. So the thirty third battalion is sent in to evacuate. United States military, yeah, thirty third, the, the damned thirty third battalion, yeah, uh, go in to evacuate it. But... No, weren't they weren't they uh, commanded to leave? But then yes. the head guy was is it Joseph Conrad? John Conrad. John Conrad. He says, no, we're going to stay here. We're going to help people evacuate. Yeah. And that's, so they, they, this is uh, all the story set up. This is even before the game starts. They, yeah. they, they rebel. And though the game kind of reveals what, ha- what I like is that the game doesn't necessarily so you'll have to explain some of this to me. Cause I'm a little bit confused by the exact, like what happened to who, like yeah. how the story got The game up. does not spoon feed you the story. One thing they do. And I was thinking about this one thing that uh, Bioshock did the same thing. And I, I like it and I hate it at the same time. They both use the device where there are... In, in Bioshock, it's tapes. And in this game, it's... Um, what do they call it? Intel. You can find things in the environment. And in, in this game, it can be like a letter or it can be a poster or whatever different things. And when you find them, you get to find different part. You get to hear different first-hand accounts of the past of the game. And the problem with this is that it totally neuters the your pacing. Because I'll be in a situation, this happens by Bioshock talk all the time, where they're trying to build tension or something like that and they want me to progress. But my instinct is not to because I want to find the intel. Yeah. My instinct is to stop because everything. It's, a, it's an in-game collectible. Yeah, like, well, not even not... that. It's like it's it, you, uh, you, You'll miss half the narrative of this game if you don't find this yeah, intel. Exactly, yeah. And you will, you'll miss a lot of the coloring of a lot of these characters. So that means that like there's this tense moment where it's like, oh, walk through that door and shit's going to go down. And I'm like, stopping. No, I gotta go look underneath the couch to make sure I'm not missing exactly. Intel. Yeah. Like in the at the very end of the game, you have to walk up the stairs to talk to the the antagonist of the oh, game. Oh, and were you? But yeah, and so I, so there's like one stair in front of me to to end the game. There's stairs behind me to another end, and then like there's this whole apartment. And instead of walking up the stairs to face the ending, I turn around. I walk up the other way to find an unlockable. It's ridic- Was there an unlockable there? There is. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, and there and there is in the table in the apartment too. And oh, meanwhile, see, I didn't the, even look. The the, by the is... end, I was like, fine, fuck it. I know what the story is. I'm gonna go for it. I just want to see how this ends. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it, well, and which is because what you the thing. 
things you find there are great little things. Yeah. But I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you introduce that stuff? How do you add those things without interrupting Speaking the of that kind of story structure, I'm officially done with video games where you are led on a string by a guy on a radio. Whether it be the villain or somebody who claims to be helping you, whether it turns out to be the villain, like Bioshock... Uh, that's how you progress through the whole game. Because Bioshock is has Atlas on the radio talking yeah. to you the whole time. He turns out to be the villain of the game. Spoilers for Bioshock. Conrad is like just haunting you throughout the whole game. Like, ah, I'm a, I'm a little goblin man. <laughs> I'm crazy and wacky. Well, and Conrad, that's... the whole thing is that Conrad pretty soon is pre- presented as the villain. And then he's actually, it's all inside Walker's But he's head. just constantly just chatting at you throughout the well, whole it's game. Well, it's because it's your own madness gibbering at know, you. I know, but like at the end I was kind of like. I, I would say that was, I, no, I would I'm let it happen because it was a... But I am tired of just any game where it's someone just talking in your ear the, God, the whole goddamn time. Like essentially telling you to go, to go from point A to point B. How could you they know? have done that game without that? You know, Conrad didn't have to be, like, someone gibbering in his ear. Okay, well, how does the game work? So, okay, so Conrad is completely made up in Conrad is all in Walker's head. How is it that Lugo and Adams went through, like, I I could barely, like, understand Adams and Lugo following Walker into this situation, even if they could hear everything that Conrad's saying. But the revelation that, like, it's the Fight Club realization that actually the bad guy in the game is actually just a manifestation of, uh, of the bad guy psych- of, of of the hero psyche. How? Why would they do any of this? I would argue that the whole the game because the, they cross. The whole, I know that you you at you for you kind of put them in a situation where they cross a line, many lines, multiple times. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not and just they one line, but you keep you. on going deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. I would say from a narrative standpoint, there's the whole thing where they've all done these transgressions together. There's really no turning back. I would say that's weak, but that's there. I would also say this game is about soldiers always follow orders. Yeah. And it's kind oh, of... Although even at the beginning, Lugo's a little little ramshackle in that way where he's like, he has to be reined in a little bit because he's obviously kind of like the Joker. He's, he's like the wacky. young kid and the wacky guy. Yeah. yeah. But and he 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 does hear. They all question you throughout the game. Okay, so here's the basic story setup of the game: is that okay? So yeah, like this damn thirty third, they uh, bucked. They, uh, they 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 bucked their orders. Decided to go into Dubai and try to save everybody. And in doing they disappear so, for six months, and then you're this other Captain Walker guy who had known in some capacity this Conrad guy before any of this happened. Long like years earlier. Yeah, Conrad had saved him, and for so he used Conrad as a hero. You're sent. It just, it's just you and two other guys are sent in to go find Conrad. You're not. You're actually sent in just to find any signs of survivors. And once you find oh, survivors, you're supposed to leave. Well, that's the whole point of the game. Is that the as they talk about this a lot in Killing and Harmless, your goalpost throughout the game is always changing because Walker's script on reality is fucked. Because yeah. it's like what your objective is at the start of the game is they have to go in, find survivors, leave, and call for evacuation. See, this is kind of the Fight Club thing. I almost like want to play the game again, but it's such like it's like a ten hour eight or eight or ten, ten hour time investment. I want to play the game just with the knowledge in mind that Conrad's just a figment of Walker's imagination to see if if how to, to see if Lugo and Adam's reactions to his orders and stuff still hang together and still make sense if mm-hmm. once you know what's going on mm-hmm. because in retrospect that's one thing where the game where I'm like I thought there were at least a couple places in the game where it seemed as if Walker and Lugo could also hear they were reacting to things that like like uh this this guy was saying over the radio I mean in retrospect I'm sure there's not but like it just that that whole twist did not like. Just me thinking about reflecting on the game, 
based on what I had just played, didn't seem mm-hmm. to, hang, to hang together. Because I, 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 I really just don't think Lugo and Adams would have gone that far. If if, if, if if it's just Walker just claiming that he has all these magical insights into Conrad. Well, it's Conrad is... All, or Walker always says, we can't turn back because we have to do this. Yeah. What this is is always changing. But it's he's always like, no, 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 we have to do this. And he's always to make, like, we have to make this stand. So, okay, so they're sent in to find any search of life. So what was Conrad doing? Because you're fighting, well, you are, you do end up fighting. This is one thing I do like about the game. It's 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 a shooter. It's it's it's, it's a big budget shooter. It takes place in the Mideast. And you're not shooting brown people. You're shooting no. goddamn Americans. So, so as the, the game. The, so what the hell are the 33rd doing? That they're, they're attacking you. They're trying, they're trying to gather all the survivors. So the way the game works, the, the story of the game goes that the damn 33rd goes into Dubai. Dubai is falling apart. Yeah. And they're trying to gather all the survivors they can and all the resources they can to evacuate because they know they don't have the support of see, any my, governments. See, I just assume that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So when they go in and to do to to keep the resources together and keep all the survive like the refugees together, they basically have to crack down, um, do um, like military law, yeah. and well, like you're gonna have to like ration resources. And yeah. Stuff like that. yeah, and so they wind up having to shoot some of the refugees and everything like that. And shit, shit is just there's no way that can end well for the United States government. Either they all come out. And then, well, fuck, like, we abandoned these people, and then, like, these people had to rebel to save these people. Yeah. So the CIA gets sent in to, um, to, get the, uh, to get the refugees to fight against the 33rd and basically cause an insurgency and also to cause some division within the 33rd so that basically they could just cover it all up so that it will just be, oh, the 33rd got just, was just wiped out See, by the sandstorm. Yeah, my interpretation was the 33rd, like, Conrad 33rd. I accepted what Walker was saying at face value that Conrad and 33rd were just trying to take over what was left of Dubai. Mm-hmm. And they, they really gone AWOL mm-hmm. from the United States military and they were trying to essentially establish their own fiefdom. Well, then how the do you of... how do you um, reconcile... No, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, that doesn't reconcile with the ending because of Conrad's well, even already that, been dead before you show up. It doesn't reconcile with the what... opening because the opening of the game, what gets them out to Dubai is there is a message from Conrad saying... Well, that's saying, what I'm saying. That's why like... it didn't make any sense to me. What your explanation makes more sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, because they spent... They was there six months and i genuinely think they were just trying because they they had no resources there was no evacuation coming to help them they had to get what they could to get out well, of see, here to me because like if, if this entire battalion is going to disappear for six months you think they'd have to do that willingly your your explanation just well, suggests that they couldn't get in touch with anybody well the 33rd they're like they have we have to survive all this so you could see as they like, ask for more help if they're trying to rescue an entire city full because of no one they 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 were ordered to pull out like, they, what are they going to do? Ask for help? So Walker, we were told not to leave. So Walker and his two guys, they've gone AWOL to go search for... Well, so well, the, Walker does. Because basically Walker Walker comes in and he's like, well, we have to find contact. They make contact with survivors and they don't pull back. Because pretty much immediately Walker's like, well, no, we don't just need to find survivors. We have to find out, well, this 33rd guy is dead. Well, there are people fighting us. What that's What's that all about? Yeah. And then you get in and then you start, you get put in a situation where you kind of have to fight. The thirty third. So and technically, then you just get you're, fight, you're on the side of what's right in the military's eyes because you are fighting these guys who have detached themselves from the United States military. They're doing it for honorable purposes. I would say, but you are still like these guys are attacking you though. Yeah, well, even that's though the you've thing. gone nuts, this game has very is an interesting it's job. A, it's all really subjective. Yeah, it's it does a really good job of doing like kind of the slippery slope of morality in these situations because yeah. that's really what the game is about. It's like you can always tell yourself you're doing the right thing. 
Even when there, there's a point in the game where halfway through the real turning point where the game turns into what it is, where you perform a war crime. Like you, there's this whole scene with, um, where you drop this really clever, um, kind of, it, it simultaneously kind of alludes to both no Russian and the, what was it? The UAV scene in massive, in, in, in modern Call warfare. Yeah. yeah. Where you are, you're, you're in, all of a sudden you're pulled back and you're in the UAV and you're, you're from above and you're just picking out your targets. So this, in this sequence in, in spec ops, you're, um, you're faced with a shit ton of uh, soldiers between you and your objective. And so you just fucking kill them all in white phosphorus. Yeah. And in doing so, you kill, you find out that these guys are actually trying to pull back the refugees. So yeah, according to your your explanation, these guys are actually doing God's work. It's like, they're actually on the side of right. They're trying to rescue refugees. The character you're playing ha- you're playing as has gone crazy and well, is interpreting thinks... what these guys are doing as trying to take over Dubai. Yeah. Well, that's why he, when you get, have that last soldier after you killed all those guys, and he says we were just trying to help. Yeah. Okay, see, so yeah, for some reason, that, that well, all got jumbled up Well, in my there's, head. Well, I can understand, because right before that, you're at a refugee camp, and the 33rd are trying to pull out all the repu- refugees and get them to pull back to this point, because there's this madman coming through killing people. Yeah. And the first thing that Walker says is they're rounding them up to kill them, or something like that. And that was kind of my first moment in the game where I'm like, the Walker well, is, this is, is, has a weird perception, because that's well, not... So do I relied I, I I relied too much on an unreliable narrator. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. I was taking too much of a shit at face. That, that's what like essentially yeah. like last week I was complaining about how simple this game was because they're obviously just ripping off of Heart of Darkness. And I was so invested in the idea that this was just just going to turn yeah. into the Heart of Darkness story and that this guy would obviously turn out it would turn out that the bad guy had gone insane. Yeah. That I just assumed that I was smarter than the game. Yeah. And that led me down this rabbit hole where I was not paying attention to the basic story. That's why I need you yeah. right now to explain wait what a really happened because I was so assuming that things were happening at face value because I, I did not give these writers credit. Well, see, that's the, yeah, that's what that's I think is very clever about about this game is I can't think of another video game where you've had an an unreliable narrator where they haven't totally made it clear that your narrator is unreliable. That's what I'm saying. You don't. You, it isn't towards like the middle of the game. You start like there's a point in this game where you actually have a hallucination. Yeah. And it's and it's clear like you that's happened in games before but it's always been like oh I'm drugged or something that's, like that. There's stuff like that going on in Far Cry right now. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a point in this game where your your connection with reality starts slipping and they start st- sneaking in these little things that you can tell yourself aren't real. And then about 3 quarters of the way when there's a scene with the mannequins and the heavy. Yeah. Where you're in a room and your the your view of the, you actually the screen goes from what's happening to black. Yeah. And starts pulsing back and forth, and the, you're in a room full of mannequins, and a heavy is coming at you. And every time you sight a heavy, and you start filling him with lead, the screen goes black. And where that heavy was is a mannequin, and heavy is elsewhere in the room. Like that's the first time in the game where it's like, no, 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 you can't talk yourself out of it. Your perception of reality is warped. But then it makes you question: at what point in the game is real? Yeah. Like one thing that they do very, that's very clever and very subtle, and they never explore it any further is the game opens with the helicopter sequence. Yeah, in media res. Yeah. You're already in a chopper being chased by a bunch of other United States military guys yeah. in choppers. You're flying over uh, the ruins of Dubai in the middle of a second sandstorm. Yeah. And uh, this is even before the, even the story is exp- has yeah. been even explained. Literally, you, know, you click new game yeah, and you're and in is, these helicopters. Yeah. So later in the game, you catch up with that moment. Well, that sequence ends in a big, huge crash. Yeah. And then suddenly cuts to three months or six but, months earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But and at the end the of this, when you actually get to the, that point in the game, it's exactly the same with two exceptions. There is one line in well, there? Well, he says, yeah. we've done this before. This, this has happened already. Th- but this isn't right. And yeah. like, that's the first time in the game where I was like, because it's yeah. it's not meeting up 100% correctly. It's offset yeah. just a little bit. Like, 
like, oh shit, this character's fucked up. And it yeah. was just that one line having me go, oh man, I I underestimated this shit. Granted, yeah. there's a shitload of bad stuff that happens before that, but you, that's that's when I realized that. Yeah. We, not an unreliable narrator, but an unreliable protagonist, yeah. I guess you should say. Yeah. It was, which was just, I, and they never, yeah. like I said, they never, at no point in the game do they imply there's any sort of, like, loop or anything like that. Like, no, you yeah. can, with my, the way my game ended, you could read it as he's just going over in his mind over and over what has happened over the, like, during his time in Dubai. Well, the ending I get, like, really ties into the creator of mentioning that everything that happens after that, when you meet up, when, when, when the story loop closes and you're back, you actually, eight hours into the game, you get to the point where you're being chased by dudes and choppers and your chopper crashes. Is mm-hmm. that everything after that is actually that that actually the main character and all the other characters die on the plane crash and everything after that is purgatory mm-hmm. that, with the ending I chose and how that played out kind of ties into that yeah. but anyway so but even, so anyway, we were talking about the big middle thing in the game the, the game where you really cross a moral threshold which yeah. is really fucked up yeah is the Willie Pete saying yeah. yeah which was just I mean it was you could almost it was almost too much but the I it kind of needed to be too much because this game is really about shooters and about it, it is kind of a reaction to Uncharted, you could say, even where it's like you're in the game, you're a likable every man who kills and kills and kills. Kill hundreds of people. And they yeah. make a, they go out of their way to make you think about the people that you kill. And but even up to that point, you could argue, you could kind of block it out like, okay, yeah, they're people. Okay, yeah, I get to overhear their conversations about their mundane life and things like that. And yeah, you know, they're not that different from me at all. But at that point, you actually just commit a war crime. Well, this is tying back in the scene Annie was talking about earlier, where it's kind of like the modern warfare scene where you're you're from above and you're shooting this yeah white phosphorus stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, what 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 sets this up is that you get to a midpoint in the game. You realize that uh, the, the, the Conrad is on the other side of this giant wall in the middle mm-hmm. of the city. And you essentially get to get through this wall, there's literally a hundred uh, guys from the damn 33rd protecting this wall. Mm-hmm. And it's just you and Lugo and Adams. And uh, the, the game presents, well, you got to get from here to, from point A to point B when there's a hundred guys between you and them. And... I thought, well, okay, at first I'm going to sit here and try to snipe these guys, soften yeah. them up, and maybe we can go down and do a uh, fight. Because the game right out of the box offers you, we do have this white phosphorus yeah. mortar cannon that we could start raining white phosphorus onto these guys. Pretty much exterminate them all with a couple button presses. And I was like, no, I don't I don't want to do that. I want to at least shoot them individually, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why that's better, but yeah. at least have an honest fight. Well, I think that game, it's it's very deliberately putting you in that position where it's like in any other game, there'd be all these unimaginable bad guys, so you're just gonna go be really bad. But badass. I like it's a choice where it's not even just like like in a, in a Bioware game where you're given a choice like here's choice A, choice A, choice B. It just yeah. depends on how you want to play because like yeah. I said, I tried to, I, I knew that they, they were giving me that option for the white phosphorus, to use the white phosphorus missiles against these guys and I said I didn't want to do it. But like you start like sniping, there's all these roof, like you've got this plaza with full of guys, mm-hmm. you kill them. They there's so many guys they end up replacing each other. There's a bunch of snipers around the plaza, like yeah. up on the rooftops. For, for every sniper you take it down, they literally automatically get replaced with a new guy. Comes up from the from the n- unseen part of the rooftop and replaces. And I used up all my ammo, and I just realized with even with me like giving directions out to Luco mm-hmm. and Adams to take guys down using the squad base commands, like. This is obviously set up where I have to use the Willy Pete, yeah. which kind of took a little bit of the the, the decision making out of it, realizing that like I had like there's no like either they're sorry to shut off the yeah. game. I have to use the Willy. This it's set up for me. To well, have Lugo to use. says he's like you. There's a point where Walker says we have no choice. Or yeah, well, and, and, Lugo, and Lugo says there's Lee always being a choice. The conscious of the game says there's always a choice. And, and the, but the yeah, implication it was is... Lugo that convinced me to say yeah, we we do have a choice. We're gonna try. Yeah. To, we're gonna have a fucking stand up fight about this. We're not gonna. Well, use the game the white is basically monsters. saying is like if you're if your choice 
choice is you don't want to kill people. Yeah. You don't play a shooter. Yeah. This game is well, very interesting. Well, I was joking with Annie. Is actually, if you really don't want to do that, you just shut off the Xbox and that's yeah. the end of the game. Yeah. But I think that's kind of what the game is saying. It's it's not it's not really necessarily an indictment of shooters. It's just very self-aware. Yeah. It's like, if you play a shooter, you're signing on to killing two to 3,000 people. Yeah. That's part of what you're doing. The difference is that this game makes you think about the, what you're doing. Well, and the rest of the game is set up by, like, is, is really colored by the fact that, yeah, yeah, you end up do melting like a thousand, or not a thousand, but a couple hundred troops with this white phosphorus stuff. Yeah. Man, and like, I was, I, like, I've heard about white, white phosphorus before, especially weaponized white phosphorus. And I looked up to the Wikipedia entry mm-hmm. about what, what exactly that does to you. Yeah, A, if you don't just die from immediate exposure to this stuff, because it will melt, it, it'll melt flesh, burn right through bone like a, like, like a hot poker through butter. Um, if you don't die from that, or the fires caused by the structures you're in, yeah. catching on fire as a, as a result of the, the white phosphorus going down, you'll be poisoned by the air because it's poison, yeah. and all the gases it exudes from just being around just will poison you almost instantly. If you even happen to survive that, um, if you like get burned by what, if you have a piece of white phosphorus that falls onto you, your body will be so poisoned by the just the phosphorus, even if it's like a piece lands on your leg. Mm-hmm. And it's something where, you, like, you know, your leg doesn't fall off or anything like that. You, all those poisons will enter your bloodstream. You'll eventually die of uh, heart and kidney failure eventually yeah. anyway. Or, the, and they said one of the, the, one of the weird side effects is the smoking stool. Is that if you get poisoned by this white phosphorus stuff and you live long enough to ever take another bowel movement again, you will shit smoky shit. Ugh. Because it's white phosphorus smoke coming out of your asshole. So you Christ. Because you are so profoundly poisoned by this shit. Ugh. Because, you know, it's this white phosphorus literally being pumped through your veins and out your ass. And so God I was like, damn. Jesus Christ, this shit's fucked up. Yeah. So That's anyway. why I don't want you to call this episode Willie Pete, Bill. Oh, what if it's cute, Jesus. So what they do is very conscious is that, so you pull up this computer and you're, you're shoot, calling your shots. And at the start of it, you can see your reflection. Your reflection fades out as you just kind of get into the groove of it and you're calling your shots, calling your shots. I didn't even know But at the that. end of it, as as you're getting to the end of it, and the end, the climax of this is not only are you killing all these soldiers, you're killing civilians. As you get to the end of it, your face starts fading back in and you're staring into your own reflection as I you're calling your shots. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little thing. This game is really good with little things. And like I said, so there's this whole idea of the unreliable unreli- narrator. And they do, beyond, at the end, like, they're the really obvious things where it's like, oh, well, my, I'm blacking out and, like, all this shit happening. Before even that, the g- part of the game that freaked me out the most was, a, it's pretty early on, there's a point where you rappel down a building. And the way all these rappel points work in the game is there are always three ropes and it's you and your two guys coming down them. Well, you're going down this rappel point and it's already pretty kind of weird because your guys are more behind you than they normally are. Yeah. And you're looking, you know, there's all, you're looking in the reflection of the building as you're going down, you see a woman strung up by her wrists in the reflection and she's oriented as if she's hanging next to you where that rope is. And it's such a little fleeting thing that you don't, I'm, at first I, I didn't must know. Have missed that. Yeah, I fully even... missed it. She was watching it with me. It was just a little thing and it freaked me out so much where I'm like, shit, like what it is. But I like that the game never... It's never as cartoonish as like, oh, the earth is made of assholes. It's or like, you know, like it's almost yeah. literary in its subtleness in, yeah. in terms of like, not literary, but like, yeah, know. it's, it's just smarter than it has. Did you ever see the movie Three Kings? No. There's even an achievement in the game that's called named Three after Kings. that. Where yeah. like, it's, that's, that's a, uh, a movie about a, uh, a couple of uh, three United States soldiers who detach themselves from the military and try to recover this gold during the Iraqi-Persian Gulf War. Yeah. And uh, there is totally, there are some things about that, too, where, yeah. like, they're trying to deal with other military guys while also trying to deal with civilians, where instead of, like, you know, they're trying to, like, steal all this gold from 
people and stuff but yeah. it's totally it's kind of similar like yeah. I, I almost kind of want to go back and watch this movie after watching after playing uh, Spec but, Ops but so at the start of this game you're, you're a military guy and all your military gear and your outfit and everything like that and you're all clean cut and everything and as you go through the game you go through all these explosions your face gets all blackened and one thing they do is at some point where your arm once you do a sec commit a second atrocity your sleeves get ripped off and there and you lose Lugo and there's a part where it's just you and Adams running around and he's like in your muscly arms and your your, yeah. your 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 things it's so clearly an allusion to Gears of War and this game is really about the making of us any other super game protagonist like, or of any other video game protagonist because at the end you're just like no, we have to kill them all yeah. like you you go there's a point once you do the white phosphorus mission Nolan North who does an amazing job in this this is his best performance I've ever heard him give well yeah. what's really interesting is that they, I really think it was it, it, you can very easily read that it was deliberate that they chose Nolan North because he is such an overused character that his transformation from just a normal clean cut American Joe trying to do right to being basically a villain. Yeah. And the way his voice breaks and changes. Well, yeah, he's all like grumbly and just all like Gears of Warsy and just, yeah, it's fucked up. And... Yeah, and he, he starts saying things like, he starts calling them fuckers and like at, like dehumanizing them in an interesting yeah. way. No, anyway, you were saying something. Yeah, so, but yeah, this it's, it was interesting to play this game on the heels of having played The Walking Dead because both are games that present you with choice and they buck the traditional gaming thing of moral choice that have far-reaching effects or whatever that alter the end it's of the game. It's choices that color the game yeah it's like your experience specifically exactly and in this game in particular it's kind of moments that force you to take responsibility for what you're doing in the game like at least that's how i read it in the con like because the game is such a reaction to shooters as much as it is a shooter there are these moments where it doesn't affect anything like there's there's one part where you see a cia agent you don't really understand what the cia's role in this is yet but your choice is either to go try and save the cia guy or try and save these two survivors and it's not, that doesn't affect, like, well, I guess it, in that case it affects whether a firefight happens or doesn't. But it's not, like, either way I think they both die, whichever you choose. Yeah. So it's ultimately useless, but it's more about, like, you have to make a choice. You have to be an active, like, you are manipulating, you are, like, causing the story to continue. The moment in the game where you lose uh, uh, Lugo, Yeah. how did you... Because what happens is one of your guys, Lugo, he ends up, uh, after the uh, the chopper crash, he ends mm-hmm. up being separated from Lugo, and you never really get to see him again alive. What happens, he ends up being captured by some of the indigenous population yeah. who are just angry at the 33rd and angry at everyone, and they're just well, looking for somebody yeah. to, to, to take their aggressions out on. And if you read it as the 33rd was trying to help them withdraw... Yeah. And these guys are keeping it from happening. You literally... Well, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And you did just destroy their water. Yeah. They have a lot of reason well, to hate you. Uh, so they do end up getting their hands on Lugo, and you're trying to get the Lugo's location in time to try to protect Lugo. Because Lugo, he radios, his arm's fucked up, he can't defend himself, he's all jacked up, he's being surrounded by uh, natives, He he he's uh, freaking out. So you're trying to get to him in time before uh, they do anything to him. Turns out you're late. Uh, they've strung him up, they've hung him, you manage to cut him down, you think for a moment maybe you can still be able to save him, because save him, you literally just turn the corner just as he's dropping. Yeah. And you pretty much get to see him die. Well, you shoot him down. You, you like shoot you, him down, yeah. yeah exactly. But he's just been hung. Yeah. What's interesting is that Adams during this whole game has kind of been a voice of reason, and has always said, you know, like, we, you know, why are we killing these guys? Or he's always brought those things up, and that's the first scene where he's ever like, they hung him. Give me the order to kill these assholes. Yeah, it's like I want to fucking kill them all. Yeah, because all these, all it's it's unarmed civilians who yeah. have hung Lugo. And like I said, Lugo, the only reason he he was susceptible because he broke his arm. He was like he'd lost his weapons in the crash. Yeah, and so you're like you're super pissed off. 
you and Adams are still armed to the teeth. Mm-hmm. And you're standing over uh, what is uh, Lugo's still warm a corpse, and you do have the option to and uh, like you're being surrounded. Like the, the, this this mob is closing in. They're throwing rocks at you and stuff, and you have to like do something. The game just like jumps from the cutscene to suddenly mm-hmm. like you've got your guns and you're being closed. Like these guys are this mob is closing in. What do you do? There's nothing in, like there's no nothing that tells you like what do you do. That's interesting. There's no choice. It's just. What do you do next just as a player? Because there's yeah. no context for what you're supposed to do. There's no one on the radio saying, oh, oh, good luck getting out of this alive. Yeah. Or there's no, like, Adams isn't like, we got to shoot our way out or anything. It's yeah. complete silence. It's just whatever you would do But what I situation. like about that is that if you did not have that achievement point signifying that you made a choice, would you even know that That's there were two saying. options? Uh, and this kind of affected how I played it was yeah. the first thing I was like, well, I'm going to see what happens if I just don't do anything at all. Yeah. And I got stoned to death. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't even know that happened. No, yeah, you get you get you get you, they they stone your ass to death. See, that. what I did was I uh, first time I I did that scene twice, and I did it only because of the achievement. And again, I wish I I wish that didn't happen. But um, I did. You tried if you try to move, like it's clear that you're supposed to move to the other side of this crowd. Mm-hmm. If you try to move towards them, they push you back. See, that's why I tried it first too, but then they pushed me, and so I was like, well, let's what, what, let's. So I just wonder what happens if I just don't do anything because, in my in my imagination, it was either don't do anything or start shooting these guys. And yeah. I don't want to because as as pissed off as pissed off as they may be about Lugo, that's still more in my head. Yeah, like because. So did you not know there was a third option? And so, well, anyway, the, so what I did the second time was yeah. I said, fine, fuck it. You want, like, if the only way to get out of here is kill these guys, yeah. I'm going to fucking kill guys. I got my shotgun, yeah. fucking emptied it into the crowd, killed yeah. at least a dozen people. And this is, yeah, this is where the achievement system kind of like, <laughs> yeah. thanks, Xbox Live, where it says, achievement unlocked, 20 points. And I was like, what? Like, that's yeah. a thing? And so I looked at the achievement thing, and then, and the achievement was, you chose murder or something like yeah. that. And by virtue of the fact that it says chose, I was like, oh, yeah. that's the and I was like, what? Yeah. Like, I was like, what? The, okay, if you don't do anything, you, it's a fail state. Yeah. But if you shoot another crowd, that's a choice. Like, what the hell is the third thing? And I yeah. had to look it up online because I actually Googled yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, if you just fire your gun into the air. Well, I, I had a kind of similar scare everyone away. That's how you I, get out of there. I shot them because I was genuinely like, fuck these guys. Yeah. And when the team popped up, I was like, okay. So I loaded it again, and I was just kind of staring at it. It seemed like, how on earth? And I, just out of curiosity, I fired in the air, and that scares them all. It didn't even occur to me. Just but to I, what's interesting is that... You never see NPCs in video games, but they're no. just scared by gunfire. Or it's like Grand Theft Auto, where it's like, you know, it's so yeah. cartoonish. It's a cartoonish reaction. Well, what I think is interesting is that in both cases, our instinct, we ne- it never occurred to either of us to do anything but shoot them. Yeah. We had to be told by, like, we had to, like, our, our second or third impulse was to it's fire either binary, either don't do anything off. or murder yeah yeah which again i think is a smart little way that spec ops is like well of course you try to kill them the game had pretty buildings made out of fish tanks well i liked that there was this running theme of you're in a place where people are dying of 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 thirst well i like how they even start laying that in at the beginning where you're like some of the one of the first big buildings you go through is this yeah it really is kind of like this office building where like the floors are aquariums the walls are aquariums and yeah. stuff shows you how they were kind of like wasting you go all to water. an aquarium well well in an aquarium well, it's all it's it's not water you could drink anyway. Well, I don't, but it's awkward. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's like it's... The, there are a couple of moments in this game where you have to go through bathrooms. Like, there's one point, one major point where you're walking through a, a building and you have to exit through a bathroom and there's a man in the tub dead and the tub is filled with sand. Yeah, that's like, they great, do a lot yeah. of smart little allusions to water in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, spec up. Well, just even when you get to the bad guy's office at the end, it's all like waterfalls and yeah. shit like that. And... So at the end of the game, um, you are forced with the realization that. Uh, Conrad has been dead. That, that is a great reveal when you get to him and you realize he's he's 
Yeah. He's not just dead, but he's mummified. He's been dead for a long time before you even showed up in fucking Dubai. Well, what's great is that it turns out that that when I was when I was thinking about it some more, that message that you get at the start of the game is clearly his suicide note. Yeah. Because the message is, it's like he's like the evacuation has failed, death toll too many. Yeah. And um, then you just then then he clearly shot himself because he's sitting on a, in a chair looking out over Dubai with a gun at his side. Yeah. You know, in in his full dress uniform. Man, fuck. So you turn out, you find out that Conrad during the game has been all just a your perception of Conrad. Yeah, yeah the Fight Club. The basically, because yeah. he, I think Conrad only, yeah, Conrad appears after he uses the white phosphorus. I'm pretty sure. Does he? I'm pretty sure. See again, that's this almost kind of justifies a second playthrough, yeah. just to see how that. Or at works. least read Killing is Harmless, because Killing is Harmless is basically it goes through the whole game okay, from start no. to finish and kind of talks about choices. It you would could make sense that Conrad would start talking to you specifically after because yeah. that's when your shit you would have break. to yeah, find that's the something point for your, to blame your it psyche. on. It's like I only did this because you made me do this. And so, well, like after you realize that Conrad is in your brain, or at least you start thinking that maybe Conrad's in your brain. Right. Again, you, that's when at least you start to realize that your own perception. Is subjective. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Uh, there's this whole thing where Conrad offers the option just to shoot yourself, or at least you're well, given the gun to shoot. Yeah. Shoot Connor or shoot or Conrad. Shoot Conrad. Yeah. And I thought, what the fuck? I'm just gonna see what happens if I shoot myself. Well, Conrad is standing there. He has a gun held to your head. Is that what? It is? You have a gun too. He holds a gun up. He's counting down. He's gonna shoot you. Yeah. And so in that moment, you can either choose. There are theoretically three options. You can either you can shoot Conrad. Or what's actually kind of great is you're staring into a reflection. You see the reflection of Conrad pointing a gun at you. Yeah. And you, 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 you can, in first person, you see you're your in the gun bathroom come up. This, this penthouse suite where he killed himself. Yeah. You're, you're, you hold your gun up and you point, you can, the first, the gun, the game orients it, so you're holding it at Conrad. And as you turn it towards your own reflection, even though in your perception, you're pointing the gun at the mirror, in the reflection, you're, you're holding the gun yourself. to your yeah. head. Which I was like, that's interesting. And like. I just realized that this this walker must be so miserable. It, like, especially now yeah. that his per- basic perception is unraveling, I was like, yeah. I'm also I was just curious to see like, when's the last time I was able to play in a game that ends with the prote- you being able to make the protagonist shoot himself. Yeah. So like that's the option I chose, and that's that's that that's that's where the I got the ending I got. Yeah. So. And I would say I would say I feel like that I, all the endings I thought were great. That ending was Yeah, you saw all the endings. And this is the massive Well, I didn't see that ending. I had to look it up online. I saw my ending, and I was like, oh, that's the end of my... That's that's the end of Walker's Tale. And I looked up the game, and I was like, oh, there's four possible endings. And I well, was what's like, oh. really interesting is that if... So your options are, you can you can either let Conrad kill you. I don't know what happens then. Yeah. But you, all, you have the option. You can hold up your gun, and you can shoot Conrad. And what's great is that I... You know, the only... He deserves to die. Walker, by every estimation, deserves to die. See, that's why I thought suicide wasn't that bad of a thing. But what was interesting is that if you shoot Conrad, Conrad says something like like oh you're still trying to be the hero and it's basically because the reason why you can't die or like it from my perspective is like you don't want to kill yourself because you're the protagonist yeah and i was like it was it was an interesting moment that he's like you know you want to be the hero and you're kind of so it, so what happens is you shoot in the reflection and all of a sudden conrad's gone and you or no no no, no. you shoot in the reflection and you're talking to conrad and at some point you ask him a question conrad disappears and you, you, as Conrad is speaking, your mouth is moving. And you pick up his... Oh, that's up. You pick up Conrad's um, walkie-talkie that he used to radio for the evacuation. Yeah. And Walker holds it up and he says, um, you know, uh, the value... He says, he echoes Conrad's line at the beginning of the game. He says, um, uh, you know, the evacuation of Dubai has failed. Death toll, like, all but, like, all but one... He makes some sort of allusion to the fact that he's the last survivor. Yeah. And it was kind of a nice thing. So what's great is that that ends credits roll. And I'm like, oh, man, that was an interesting little moment. 
but after the credits roll, there's an epilogue, which is fucked up. The epilogue is clearly about two weeks after you sent that message. You're sitting on the footsteps of that building, and you're you're kind of grown a beard as enough times passed, and you're you're wearing Conrad's just dress jacket. And you're sitting on the footsteps with a with a deagle strapped to your leg. And what's the shotgun where basically it's like a, a semi-automatic shotgun, but each shell is like a fucking grenade? It's that plastic housed A-12. Yeah, you yeah. have one of those in your arms. And a, a squadron of soldiers drive up to your doorstep. And what's, it was kind of, it was like, it's really smart. Because, see, this is the only reason why I kind of wish you'd see this ending feels a little better, because it's a smart echo of the start of the game. Because here's this battalion, and whereas you at the beginning... Um, like, pretty much first sol- American soldier you sh- see, you're shooting at them. These shoulder- soldiers show up, and um, they you hear them talking to themselves, and they say, oh shit, he's armed. And one of them says, look at his eyes. He's he's shell-shocked. Just give him a minute. And so um, one of the soldiers just walks up to you and says, Walker, we're here to save you. And um, uh, so then the camera kind of rolls around, and you're in control. So your options are... There are three points this whole scene can end. The first time I played it, I the, he's walking towards you, and you can press A to give him your gun. Okay. So he's walks where you, you give him your gun, they put you in a Humvee, and you get to leave. At the end of the game, Conrad says, the difference between you and I is that there's still a chance for you to escape. Oh, okay. And you actually can. Because you can you can go into this Humvee, and, and the, the soldier is clearly treats you with deference. Um, and he kind of, like, he says, you know, we drove through the city, we saw everything that happened on the way in, how the hell did you survive? And he says something along the lines of, who says I did? Yeah. And that's the end of the game. And it's like, I was like, man, shit. So the second way that it could end is you kill them all. So you could, you take control and you've got this fucking so powerful s- gun. You keep you on being down. a dick. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of felt like that was, you just like on the fucking that's other the side of That's consistent with everything else you've seen See, in the, the game. See, that's the thing. It's yeah. like at this point, the end of, of, of Spec Ops line forces and... him to come to terms with what he has done and just fucking accept it and become a fucking supervillain. And the thing is, is that this is one of the harder fights in the game just because you start out with this gun with limited ammo and there's one hum full of soldiers so there's like six soldiers that come at you and so you have to kill them in such a way to conserve your ammo and also you gotta take their ammo as you go on and there are a lot of them there are four Humvees worth of guys that start rolling out and as you you kill the last one you hear um, one of their radio go off and someone is trying to get in contact with the squad so the implication is who knows how many men there are and you just pick up the the heads the handset press the speak button you say gentlemen welcome to Dubai which is what you say to your Delta Squad at the start of the game, yeah. and that's cut to credit. And like that's it. And I was like, "Shit, son, that felt like man." Jesus Walker, Christ. Walker just went into that's full the unbreakable super villain mode. Yeah. And then the final, I thought as I when I played that one, I was like, because like I said, those at first I did the I gave I gave up ending, yeah. and I got to go home. The second time I was like, "Fucking super villain, fucking kill them all." Um, and I kind of felt like that was the way the game, if you chose to kill Conrad, though all these games are quote-unquote right, I really do feel. This game is very interesting in that I don't think there really is a good ending, and the others are bad. They all feel pretty strong. Yeah. But it never even occurred to me to um, like to just let myself get shot to death in that last ending. But you that think is... that would be a fail state of trying to kill everybody? Well, that's what's interesting is that um, in that in that in video games, usually when your character gets shot, you know you start the level again. You and fucked you up. Go, that's yeah. not an acceptable part of the narrative. Yeah. Well, in, the, in that in that final battle, you can't. I w- looked it up online. I read somewhere that there were four different endings. I'm like four. I saw. I could think of three. Yeah. So I went back and I and I shoot. I I wipe. I I clock the guy in the head who's trying to talk me yeah. down, and then I just let them go me down. There's actually a nice 
pull back and he you you go back to this conversation you have with conrad and it, the implication is maybe it's even from your time in afghanistan and um you basically you talk about i can't remember the, the climax of it the end of it was basically like you know every soldier just wants peace the peace of death that that's the only way you can reconcile yourself with what you've done is just finding the peace of death in battle and uh, it was like, shit, son, spec yeah. off the line. So what's your canonical ending, though? Like, what, what do you think is the correct ending? It really felt... I think Walker is so broken, he just goes into full supervillain mode. Yeah, that kind that of just felt, like, yeah. A, I thought that, that just... I really liked that... Um, the reason why that felt the best for me was I really liked that cyclical, like, that gentleman walking by. Yeah. Also, it made more sense to me with the whole idea of him, where he mentions when he's going in the helicopter, where he says, we've done this before. It makes more sense to me that maybe all your actions of the game is just him recalling the events that brought too, yeah. him to this point. Because yeah. he has time in between him finding out about Conrad and these guys coming to pick him Hell, up. Hell, you never know. This ending could be a projection of, he, he'd still be waiting for the military to show up. This could be a projection of what he thinks he's going to do when they show up. Yeah. You never know, yeah. Well, what I thought was interesting about that scene is that that scene is not presented with any sort of like little flourishes or moments That's to saying, nothing question. to tell you what to think it's yeah. just uh, what happens is just presented to you which i think how is you so interpret it. smart it's to you. and games don't do that no games See, always have to be so literal and hand-fested and here's we're gonna tell you what happened. like even yeah. if you have a game with an unreliable narrator they may they have a clear delineation between what is real and what is not yeah. and what i really liked about this game was that they they drop in these hints that you don't know what's that your perception is warped but they don't hammer you over the head with it like because really there's the blackout scene with the heavy, there's obviously the crazy scene with the phosphorus where you see the tower is like this, this, the eye of Sauron looking thing, the, yeah. sand, the bodies in the sands and atoms and all that. And there's like the reflection, but other than that, like, I can't think of any like overt, like signs of reality is broken. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a smart little game. It's a game that knows what it's doing throughout, and if you and it really wants you to see what it's doing. At the same and I just time. love that it's multiple endings without there just being one jumping off point for all the endings. Yeah, it's not. It's not like the Mass Effect three three thing where there's three choices. Make one choice, and that's how you get the end of the game. It's, yeah, it's like like I, like I, I, I preempted everything ending. you did by shooting myself in the in in the in, in the head. Yeah. before you even got, the, I would have even got the option to do anything you did. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a natural outgrowth of how you play the game rather than so another character coming to you. Here are the three choices. Yeah, choose. like my only regret, like I, I kind of wish that I had not read um, the Penny Arcade article about killing is harmless. Went out of its way to say this game since this. This book is written like each game chapter by chapter. You could almost yeah, read you it in book club sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it's the thing I was reading it as I played along. Well, the game it like of course the book is looking at the themes overall. So he's you know because Conrad is a fic a figment of blah blah blah. Is that to swallow like, yourself at the beginning? Yeah, and also yeah. he mentions that when the first appeared, see you was, had you you so at least you could like enter you saw the shape of the yeah. game before like the first time you were playing. And it, even then, like yeah. to some level, he says you know like later in the game, Walker has his hallucination with mannequins, and so he notes when the first mannequin appears in the game yeah see and i got like, to enjoy the game more as the i kind of wish that where, i had gone yeah, with i had to i got to misinvest my faith in an un yeah. unreliable narrator you should and, yeah. I, I you know if you don't necessarily want to replay the game which i can understand because i really enjoyed that game and the more i think about it, it may even be like well, it's, it's serious contention for my game of the year just because i liked what it said about gaming yeah um in a smart way without being too snooty um it, 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 you can read Killing is Harmless. It's a pretty... It's 50,000 words, but it's a pretty easy read. And it's three blocks. And so, uh, uh, it's, 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 it basically takes you through the whole game and all the possible choices you can make. And That's really interesting, yeah. It's a smart... I liked how the game used um, the loading screen 
to kind of feed oh, you. Oh, that little... just gets worse. I like how by the end it's just like, do you feel good about yourself? Do you like killing well, Americans like, it's like, or whatever? Do you even know what you're doing? Yeah. Anymore? Like they very consciously are like, have you Although noticed sometimes that... it'll still mix in tips. Like, yeah. Press a to reload. That's the best part. I like do you that feel it's good both about yourself? tips for gameplay and like psychological tips. <laughs> like having your mom yell at you. Like, <laughs> that's game. <laughs> But I do like the but idea. I think it's it kind of force if you're just a frat guy because I've heard there are people who have played this game and who think it's who just at the end of it were like that was a dumb shooter who yeah. genuinely lack the self awareness to accept its message. I really kind of part of me feels like those loading screens are like no motherfucker. Do you know? Do you do you understand what is real? Like yeah. do you know what you're doing anymore? I still like the shape of my story because the idea because I, I I like uh. I like the idea that, like, everything after the, the helicopter crash that starts off the game, everything gets yeah. inventory. Well, because the first thing that happens after the, uh, the the helicopter crash is big, crazy, yeah, psychedelic imagery. And I could see that being a kind of pur- a purgatory thing, because everything that happens after that thing is so fucking crazy and yeah. impressionistic. And, and even stuff. beyond that, it seems so ridiculous that he would survive a helicopter but that crash. Last, you know. But that last quarter of the game being bookended with helicopter crash, then he's dead... And his way of getting out of purgatory is just finally pulling a bullet in his own head and just essentially exiting existence altogether, yeah. whether he's really alive or dead or not. But this is how yeah. he just exits purgatory. That's I think that's a nice little story for my walker. I, I wish I really like that. It's interesting that you you like purgatory states as a narrative device, but you can't stand reincarnation as a narrative device. Yeah, well, purgatory. Purgatory at least suggests some kind of forward motion eventually. Yeah. Purgatory is kind of like, you know, uh, it's it's just a way station. Right. Whereas reincarnation is just constant recycling over and over again mm-hmm. with without any learning. Mm-hmm. At least purgatory suggests, uh, not that I believe in purgatory more than I believe in reincarnation. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's not but at least I'm as talking. a narrative, there's a sense of potential growth. Yeah. And assuming that like, and I guess growth for Walker in this situation is either he finally gets out of purgatory and ends up having to be responsible for his crimes in the afterlife, yeah. or like he just finally cancels his own existence and he doesn't at least have to worry about this anymore. He's out of the situation. He's finally. I like, think I don't know. Maybe the reason why I I, I am less uh, my first inclination when like with Lost when everyone's like Lost is a purgatory state like that old reading. The reason why it never occurs to me is uh, uh, to read it as a purgatory sort of state is that as a Catholic. Purgatory is a waiting room. You can't yeah. you can't tip the scales one way or the other in purgatory. Well, everything's done. Yeah, and it's like purgatory is just you know you're just waiting to call your number. Like yeah. there's there's no warping anything. You're just waiting to find out what the consequences of your actions are. Well, I like the idea of purgatory in this game, especially because that comes the the helicopter crash comes right after you've gone out of your way to intentionally massacre entire radio tower full. Of, yeah. Oh man, that of, was intense. So there's this great part in the game where you because all during the game you could see yourself genuinely as. Even though you're fucked up, you're choose. You're like, well, I have to do this. Yeah. I have to do this phosphorus. This thing. is the first time where you're like, no, let's roll. Let's let's yeah. kick some ass. You actively choose. It's weirdly like one of the more gamey parts of the game. Yeah. Where it's like, well, it turns into just a kind of a turret thing where it just go mow everyone down yeah, and have, just turret you from you a have helicopter. Ammo. Yeah. You're never gonna die. You're just destroying this building for no other reason and than you decide to. It's the second most amoral part of the game. Yeah. And it's the most. It's funny that the two most amoral parts of the games are the most like in a normal shooter that would be presented without comment like yeah fun exactly it would be the fun reversal yeah and instead spec ops turns in these moments of contemplation was like are you fucking serious and that's why i like the idea that if he dies right after that and that's him getting kicked off from the afterlife and he has that's what that's when he actually has to start dealing with some of the shit he's just done right so not to say like i said i'm not a big fan of purgatory and stuff too but like 
at least within the confines well, I'm of not, the story. I'm not against it. It just never occurs know, yeah. to me because. Yeah. So you're arguing that like if if you read the go with the purgatory reading, then it's just him pr- downloading what he has done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed, and then to... once he's finally digested it by like confronting the Kurtz thing, he's yeah. just like, I don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but this can't go on. Whatever's happening, whatever, yeah. whatever I've done, like this is yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so, so the things you find in that last room, the intel you find, is um. Uh, you find a letter from Conrad to his son. Yeah. It's really brief. It's really it's. I like the intel in this game. It's handled pretty well. Um, in most games, these sort of is it Conrad? Conrad? It's the actual Conrad. It's the no. That's what I'm saying. Is the son's name Con- or Connor Con- Conrad? Conrad. Yeah. Uh, no. It, with the intel and the the way they deal with the diaries in this game is it's all pretty subtle. It's never anything too like they don't ha- like they're not they never it's never overwrought or anything like that. You find a poem to his wife yeah. that he writes. It's actually a nice little poem. And the other thing is just a simple letter to his son that just said, people are going to ask you about your father. Don't listen. Like, it was just like a little nice That's little thing. That's very cool, yeah. And like you, the, most of the intel you find over the course of the game relates to the Radio Man character and his yeah, descent yeah. into turning into whatever he becomes. The one thing that wasn't clear to me in the game is that, so talking through to you, what it kind of what it seems like to me is it's not so necessarily that um, uh, Conrad ever thought that they could really withdraw as much as they thought the best bet was just to wait it out. Yeah, like hunker just down, hunker support. down, get the resources. Because somebody would have to show up eventually to help out. It's Dubai. It's, yeah, it's not like a desert island out in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. So probably, and that's would explain what they're there for six months. And just when the CIA starts stirring up shit and things start falling apart, and Conrad realizes that he's lost control, that's what he gives up. Yeah. It's never. I don't really understand who is in charge after that. I'm not meant to. The implication is that it's Radio Man, but Radio Man seems to be outside of everything that's happening. Yeah, because when you show up, he's just like DJing to himself, yeah. and he's he's not a in a, in a, a position of authority. Uh, no. among the thirty third, he's clearly that's just that, lost that's, his that's shit. That's why I was confused. Like, well, okay, who's leading the thirty third? What's what's? I don't. What, think we... what does the thirty third think they're doing? I don't know if Without we Conrad. need to know. Like, really. I'm not saying you need to know, but that's yeah. why I was kind of confused as to, like, the reveal of Conrad had already been dead. Yeah. And, okay, if Conrad's been dead, then, like, even if even if you're fighting on the side of wrong, mm-hmm. how is it the 33rd is that well put together to be comm- yeah, commanding you? And, well, it's still military know. structure. It's like when, the, when there's structure. always the next person to take command. Yeah, it's And not... I don't think you need to know who's driving. No, I don't think so. It's driving. not vital, but I think that's one of the things why I was a little bit confused at the end. Because it's, I was like, it's a confusing structurally, game. Structurally, I was kind of like, what? Well, it's like, from a, from, I mean, the whole game is about... Like you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, which and is fine. I like I like that it's kind of an impressionistic mess of just yeah. insanity. And it's like, excuse me, it's not something that if you just re if you essentially it's a game if you skim it, then that's one of those games where I can't believe you can skip the cutscenes. Like it almost if you actually I'll, press I'll, I'll, a button. I'll the few games that let you skip the cutscenes on the know. first try. <laughs> this game, Jesus Christ! So you can get amazing. so you can get to that sweet sweet generic third person shooting action. <laughs> Anyway, spec ops the line, man. Yeah, no, that was yeah, that was definitely worth the the, the ten bucks I paid for it. Yeah, and like I said, anybody who re- played it and enjoy it and wants to think about it a little more, um, Killing is Harmless does a pretty good job of of just exploring that well, game and why it was that. effective. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 mo- it's satisfying a in that it's just exciting to read long form game yeah. criticism like that. It's I would like to believe that that it was really gratifying to play a game that had some meat to it and then read something that explored all the flavors like that you know that never happens and uh it was uh b it's just interesting it was nice to go in and read an analysis of these things and make me kind of think about things like he talks it it never really 
it never really hit me that I was fighting Americans, that you start by fight. One thing he pointed out that I thought was kind of great was that um, one of the commentary about shooters in the game is that in shooters, you're always going to shoot. It is never an option that you're not going to shoot. You're not going to kill somebody. In the very first encounter in the game, when you run, stumble across the refugees, as Lugo is trying to negotiate with the um, the refugees, that you are you are talking with Adams already about how to kill them. Like before the the negotiations have even broken down, you're yeah. planning on killing them. And uh, just little things like that, where it's like, sure, they fire first, or excuse me, they can. You can at the start of that cutscene just fucking shoot out the windows above them and wipe them all out. But uh, the game does a smart job of of like just these little things where it's like it's all inevitable like one of the first things you see of Dubai as the game starts when you're in this desert is you walk up to the top of this hill and on the top of this hill is a stop sign that's the first thing you see of Dubai oh that, I didn't even know it's like that. Yeah. yeah it's like there are a lot of little things in there that Killing oh, and Harmless man. does a good job of just kind of going back and looking at something I missed and that the book had to point out to me there's a point in the game where you're starting to get into Walker's obsession with Conrad where you're going through uh, these streets of Dubai and there's a big big sign for snowing or excuse me snowboarding or like you know, I snow that, yeah. there are a couple of them through the game but in this one in particular you see three happy people who are gonna go have fun in the snow and one of them is actually Conrad it's Conrad's face oh, okay like it's it's a smart little game or excuse me a smart little book that, that does a good job of it. so that's done together way. so much better I wish uh, the guys making this were making the the, the phantom pain <laughs> rather than hitting you that's what I'm saying well, this I'm... is yeah on the on the game spectrum of wars hell blah 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 yeah metaphysical bullshit you've got the guys who made Spec Ops line, and the other end you have Hideo Kojima, who's yes. like... Well, what's interesting know. is that, like, in Metal Gear, it's you. It's hard to read something as an indictment of war when half it is like, look how cool it is that this is a robot yeah, that's, that's part of war. Yeah, Whereas yeah this I guess is very... sexy ninja chicks and shit. Yeah. This is interesting because this is a shooter where every moment of the game, it is like, why the fuck are you playing this game? Why the fuck are you choosing to kill these people? Why do you keep pulling the trigger? Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised the interstitial, like, the text between some of the missions are, isn't like, are you, are, do you feel good for playing this game? Do you think you're macho now? <laughs> are you sure you don't want to play Snoopy Flying Ace right yeah. now? Like, so, yeah, no, that was fantastic. I'm play. curious to see what yeah. that game, what that dev team does next. Hopefully, I mean, it seems like it's the game's gotten enough notoriety and stuff. Well, not notoriety, but well, they're it's, they're it's, working. They're they are not dismantled. The game did not do so poorly that they. But I'd like to see them remain as a single studio. Yeah, yeah. And, and and do something in the future. Did you know that game has multiplayer? Because the light is Who multiplayer. Who is ever going to fire that? Did you even try to fire it up? No, I didn't. Again, Far Cry has multiplayer. It apparently it has a free co-op thing. Oh, yeah, I can see that kind of being well, cool. Well, no, because it's just all capture the flag bullshit. Oh, it's not even... I thought it was like like maybe campaign co-op. Because that'd be... You know, someone like, gets I did not... Again, I did not play it. I saw it was for free download, and so I Googled it real quick, and I just read this thing where it's like... It's just... It's a. It's like it's like the spec op stuff in Modern Warfare. Far Cry 3 has a... Like, it, 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 it's a pass for the multiplayer stuff, and it keeps yeah. on yelling me to input the past to prove that I've paid for a, a brand new copy of the game. Yeah. And of course, I have no interest in ever playing multiplayer. And so, yeah. I, like, every time I fire up the game to play campaign, I have to skip through all these scenes that are saying, please input your code for multiplayer now. Are you sure you don't want to input your code for multiplayer now? If you don't have a code, please purchase. You know, it's just like, oh, come on, fucking game. Wait, I wonder how it works. Because it's just like, is it like Fable where people drop into your universe? I guess. No, be no, I think cool. it's all like multiplayer where it's like, oh, it's like death a match. Yeah, it's just death match. Yeah. yeah, no. I have a giant. I guess I know, but if you have a giant, I guess world, Red Dead. Not, I guess Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto did the same thing, right? But that was still competitive stuff. I, I just want like a game like Skyrim or Far, or Far Cry Three. It's a big open world, but you can just do like play it with just even just one other person. Yeah, that'd be fun to play. Well, that was why that was one of the people. Not the Fable did it perfectly, but Fable is the only game I can think of. That, that at least really, they were moving there. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like they actually explored that idea. 
And all they managed to prove was that no one wants anything to do with Fable ever again. <laughs> Any ideas? That no was one? not the co-op's fault, to be fair. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, spec Ops. Spec Ops the line. Thanks, hey, thank you guys shit. for hanging out for us for an hour talking uh, talking with us. It's a game that was worth talking if about. If you guys were talking with us, that's cool too. We couldn't hear you. <laughs> we enjoy all of your thoughts and feelings though. I it feel... is a shame that podcasts by nature are kind of a one-way conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for those of you still hung out with us, thank you for listening to the Boy Howdy Podcast. As always, they're boyhowdypodcast.com, at boyhowdypodcast on the Twitters. Howdy at boyhowdypodcast.com is a good way to get in touch with us. Thank you all for all your thoughts and feelings. We love you more than than Walker loves Conrad. We should have thrown out this notice before we buried the ending of the episode in a Spec Ops Line spoiler cast. But uh, we'll probably be talking about our Game of the Year stuff next week. Or yeah. Not even like, it's not like last year. It's not necessarily just Game of the Year talk, but just the games of 2012 in, in general. Yeah. Uh, I don't you know wanna... if I could make a ranked listing of this Yeah, year. if you want to send us an email or, or tweets or just anything talking about your favorite Game of the Year, your favorite Games of the Year, it could be your top five, your top ten, your, bet, your most favorite, your most disappointed, the game you're most disappointed in. Um, your favorite trends in gaming and stuff. Yeah, feel free to send us any emails or notes or anything, tweets or anything about that stuff, and we'll talk about it on next week's podcast. Holla at your boy's friend. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Happy birthday, Bill. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, poor Howard and Esther. They go bye-bye. <laughs>